So here's the thing. They should have made the Budweiser horses gay. All right? Okay. So, all right. The premise is they're not gay. Is that... Are we sure of that? Like, they've confirmed straight horses. All right. Touche. I have never really done any deep digging to find out exactly. They just never openly presented themselves that way. But what if, like... You know, Budweiser's taking a swing at this thing, trying to get more of the market, show some acceptance and stuff. What uh-huh. if those big old Clydesdales were now like unicorns, dude, and they were fucking fabulous? Okay. I mean, that sounds great, honestly. Like, Yeah. Yeah, give me a fabulous unicorn pulling a Budweiser trailer. It's rad. <laughs> that would have just solved the whole thing right away. <laughs> you, honestly, you've fixed it all right there. <laughs> Should have made the horses gay. Yeah, <laughs> you should have come up with this me. like a couple of weeks ago during Pride. You could have fixed mm, oh, the dude. world. Yep, it would have been perfect. I would have yep. unified everybody, man. That's why everybody <laughs> needs to tune in to Drang and Largly, That's the us. greatest podcast that there is. Here with the host of the most, it's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben Eller, and me, Hollywood Steve. Man, you're sounding just downright aggressive today. Is it because you got all that gunpowder smoke in your lungs from these 4th of (laughs) July fireworks? What's blowing up and strutting our freedom around the country right now? I'm out here just chewing on bottle rockets, drinking Roman candles. You know how it is. Now, uh, in Portland, uh, they they got a no no fireworks thing going on because it's it's dry. So they don't want fars. Well, you know from living in the South how effective fireworks ordinances are, right? Yeah. Which is to say not at all whatsoever, even remotely. So Yeah. It's a happy 4th of July. I've been uh, actually just kind of working my ass off, man. i got a big old to-do list and stuff right now. So I've not been doing too much chilling, which yeah. means it's a good day to record a podcast in which we are talking about both parts of Harry Potter and the Deftly Hellos. Yes, the that's right. The Deftly both Hellos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to be covering both of them to wrap up our, our Harry Potter series that we've done here on the show every July for seven the, times. Yeah, for seven times. Right? Yeah, this is numero seven. Uh, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, it is. It's... Um, it's been a harrowing journey. We started out like, oh, this will be fun. And now it's like, oh, my God, let's finish this. We'll do both parts. <laughs> <laughs> because J.K. Rowling just keeps getting worse and worse getting as a worse. human being. If it's your first time like listening to this show, I just want to go ahead and preface uh, by saying, yeah, we do not support any of her horrible transphobic bullshit that she yeah. is so fucking obsessed with. God damn, dude. Like, okay, yep. here's another just a little side tangent. Okay. Ever since the, the musk over of, of the Twitters, Twitter, yeah. I, I swear, like, the only thing that I get notifications for are things that are deliberately going to inflame me. Like, I yeah. don't follow J.K. Rowling on Twitter. I get right. notifications whenever she fucking tweets Ugh. some stuff about her obsession, what other people's fucking genitals are doing. Right. It's fucking disgusting and disturbing. Get the fuck over it, dude. Yeah, for real. Yeah, no, uh, we, we uh, trans uh, women are women, trans men are men. We fully support the trans community. Uh, and uh, we're talking about Harry Potter, which I know a ton of queer people still love, uh, despite of course J.K. Rowling's uh, opinions. So we're just gonna uh, leave it at that with the J.K. Rowling talk and talk right. about more specifically the movie 
uh, or movies <laughs> in this case. Uh, yeah. All fucking almost five hours of it. <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah. If you want to get straight on to the movie talk, there's a timestamp for you in the podcast description. I would definitely recommend listening to our other Harry Potter episodes. They are typically some of the funniest shit that we do. I mean, we usually get pretty mired down and just like talking mad shit about it, but we also do lots of stuff like explore the, the sex lives of the uh-huh. wizards. And we're going to be doing that in this one. How freaky that shit gets. Yeah, oh, yeah. I got some questions about <laughs> wands and how they work and how wand cucking seems to be a thing. <laughs> seems to be a thing. Also, that elder wand, it's got yeah. some little nodules to go on a butt, right? It, it definitely oh, does. I, now, uh, it, I, it says, I see what you're talking about. <laughs> it looks like it's he's got the butt plug nodules, but it, it also has like a sharp point. So, Ooh. like, whoever's putting that up their butt is kinky and weird, <laughs> weird in some ways, because you, you could perforate your butt. You don't want that. Don't you don't want to do that. Colon. No. No. Don't no. do that. Uh-uh. Nope, nope, nope. You wouldn't want to do that. See, you want to listen to the whole episode, for sure. We're going to talk yeah. about stuff like that. <laughs> we got this advice about not perforating <laughs> your colon with uh, a sharp <laughs> butt plug. So Before we, uh, <laughs> before we do that, yeah, we're going to give that advice. As well as uh, shoot the shit, talk about a weeks, and all that other kind of stuff that we hugely do here on the show, man. Steve, you got yourself a co-beer? I actually do. I haven't, I haven't uh, drank much on, on the show in a while, but it is uh, it is a holiday. We're, we're recording on the 4th of July, though I don't really celebrate Independence Day and don't really like fireworks because they scare my dog. Uh, but I am going to have a beer because why the hell all not? Right. Anytime it is socially acceptable to drink at the, I am recording at 3.48 in the p.m. Um, is a good time to drink, I think. So I got Hell myself yeah. a Breakside Brewing, which uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of a, a lot they do. A true gold, refreshing golden ale, 5.1%. Nice, uh, hopefully refreshing beer. I'm going to find out here in a sec. Ooh, very nice, man. I've got myself the remnants of an Aperol spritz that I've been drinking on while we were planning out this show, my summertime sip. And I'm going to suggest that while we both got ourselves a a cold beverage, we pour one out for a a lost homie, man, Um, honorary dead and lovely member and longtime friend, uh, the notorious RDM, Roger Need Miller, just lost his longtime pup, oh, the other day, man, which... They had a long and, and joyous ride together, man, and I'm sure that he gave that little pup the best life that that dog could have asked for, sure for did. sure, man. Yeah. It's, RDMs. it's the worst losing a pet, man. It's the absolute yeah. fucking worst. Yeah, RDM's our guy, and uh, that that pup was a sweet little dude, so hell yeah, we'll be missed, and uh, of course, I always hate, <laughs> always hate, anytime anyone loses a pet, it's not only, you know, devastating, but it's a reminder always like, oh no, like just love your pet as much as you can. You never know. Um, but yeah, fucking RIP. Oh, super cute dude. No kidding, man. No kidding, man. Hail O. And, uh, yeah, sorry, Roger, man. That, yep. that's, that's the worst, man. That's it the is. Worst. It is. So pour one out for, for a fallen comrade, man. Well, I'm not uh, going to pour what? this out though. This is tasty. This uh, this okay. golden ale. I'm I'm digging it. So Breakside is is just kick. Every time I've had a Breakside brew, I've enjoyed it. Nice man. I don't think I've ever had anything of theirs. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, local here to Portland. I don't know how far distribution goes, but uh, maybe we get you out here to Portland. Just drink a whole bunch of co beers. We went to Ex Novo Brewery not long ago. That place was good. Uh, fucking. 
yeah, Breakside is awesome. There's so many good places. Shilling, the Shilling Cider House is awesome. Like, well worth, if you're in Portland and you don't go to Shilling Cider House, you're missing out. You're blowing it. You're, you're fucking blowing, blowing it. it, dude. Yep. Yep, for sure. Anyway, yeah, right, so uh, we also went to a pick, we went to a Pickles game. Uh, I've talked about going to see the local Portland Pickles baseball team several times, and uh, they had a uh, The Shining night the other what night. What the fuck? Like, yeah. just last week you were talking about they had fucking bourbon night. So they do yeah. bourbon nights and shining nights. Now, here's the thing. I want to go to all these minus the baseball. The baseball is my biggest problem with this. You see, here's the thing about baseball that is is awesome. You don't have to pay attention at all. Like, oh. I pay attention to the game, but a lot of people out there are just there to drink and talk. It's oh. fun. It's a blast. I love drinking and talking. I do Absolutely. it all the time. Absolutely. It's so fun. So, like, yeah, I wore my Shining Vans there. Got a couple compliments. Uh, they had they had some cool, like, Shining reference stuff that they did. It was fun. It was a fun time. And, and the, the Pickles uh, beat the shit out of them. Way to go, Picks. Wow. Was there a part where one of them beat one of the other baseball players down a flight of steps using a bat? Because that would be on brand. <laughs> Uh, they did you know? have uh, uh, one of the pickles mascot chase another with with a bat. So yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking about other other possibilities for how this could have gone. Like instead of the usual like you know vendor out in the crowds like selling peanuts or hot dogs or whatever, I imagine uh, he was looking everyone in the eyes and giving them telepathic messages, asking if they liked ice cream and stuff like that. <laughs> you like ice cream, doc? I did hear that a few times, and I kept looking around like, who is asking me that? I do, though. I do like ice cream. Yeah, it's good. It's good. There you go. <laughs> nice. That sounds pretty awesome, man. Yeah, it was really fun. Really fun. Other than that, yeah, we, I mean, we've been going to Movie Madness uh, pretty regularly, the local Portland video store, and, and written up some some DVDs and Blu-rays. Rent it I, up! Rent I just it love up. it. It's so fun to walk into a video store and just have I that bet. video store experience. It is the best. For fucking real. I bet that it is. Yeah. But yeah, we've been watching a whole lot of stuff over here in the yeah. Casa. Yeah. We watched a True Grit, the, the Coen Brothers remake. It's been a minute since I watched that one. I remember liking it a lot, though. I like I like it a lot, and I, I still do. Uh, rewatching it just... Yeah, a lot of great performances in there, and... It is just a, a real good story. I like the original as well. I think the remake is actually is better, but the the original is really good. Just a good story, good you know like kind of gray characters and a lot of like moral ambiguity and whatnot. I love that in a western. So good. Uh, then also we watched Dude Where's My Car. A little bit different movie. <laughs> I've still fucking never seen that movie, and I you don't know how. You should see, dude, where's my car? <laughs> it's so dumb. Uh, it definitely has some things that uh, don't age well, but like, uh, it, it's a good stoner comedy. Speaking of stoner comedies, we also watched uh, Half-Baked. Oh, yeah. Um, Fuck yeah. Classic. Still, immortal. Still great. I mean... You can look at it and be like, oh, fuck, Dave Chappelle and Jim Brewer both suck now. And it's like, yeah, but guess what? Guillermo Diaz and Harlan Williams are still fucking rad as hell. So, fuck like, yeah. don't yeah. worry about it. It's a good movie. It's fun. Yeah, uh, it's hilarious. Speaking, speaking of stoner things, we watched Idle Hands. Still never seen that either, dude. Oh, we got to do that on the show. That one's so good. Like, great practical effects and, like, 
just a fun horror comedy. Um, nice. Uh, we also watched, uh, I guess, still on the stoner front, Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> oh, yeah. That movie's still so fucking funny. Paul Ridiculous. Rudd yeah. is a genius with his facial expressions and how he like basically portrays this rebellious guy as uh, a five-year-old kid. Like, he, <laughs> when he's like, when Janine Garofalo is making him pick up the stuff in the kitchen and he's just like, like slumping around and like pretending like bending over is the hardest thing in the world to do and stuff. Like, it's so fucking funny. Kid stuff. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, uh, but but uh, on, on the non, non-stoner movie front, we watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. We were talking about That's the nice one. guys. Yeah. Uh, and Anna hadn't seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and it's like, well, if, if you like the nice guys, you're gonna like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's Shane Black, yeah. Two people doing detective work, kind of opposites that are fun together. Val Kilmer and RDJ, Underrated. like, yeah. it's great, yeah, totally um, good. We, oh, also Michelle Monaghan's awesome in that. Uh, we watched, oh, yeah, um, that's right, Major League, which I hadn't Ooh. seen in a while. Um, How's that hold up? It's been a long time since I watched that one. Okay, too. it's it's got some things that it's you know. A little insensitive or whatnot. Uh, definitely the the portrayal of like voodoo and stuff you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't see today. Uh, but the 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 story <laughs> that's okay. the The story of uh, Tom Berenger basically harassing Rene Russo until they get together at the end sucks but the story of the baseball team great that part is nice. awesome. okay <laughs> the, i don't know what they were thinking like obviously the person who had written it was like divorced and did not know like how to deal with life and was like maybe if the character like harassed her a whole bunch and just like kept showing up and calling her when she didn't want it that she realized like oh he's a good guy Oh, no. Uh-uh. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> um, we watched Neighbors 2. Uh, we had watched Neighbors a couple weeks ago, so we were like, oh, check out this week- sequel. I'd say it's on a, a similar level. It's silly, goofy. I mean, Seth Rogen uh, uh, being being silly, Zach Efron. Uh, oh, what's her name? Shit. Uh, God damn it. She is so funny, and I can't remember her name. She's in uh, the, the Insidious movies and shit. Scar. That's her. I'll get fuzzbeat on it and I'll feel like so dumb when I see her name. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Dude, it's weird. I've been blanking out so bad on names lately and I Me don't too. know why. It's probably my, my love <laughs> of the halflings. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what now. it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we watched, we watched that and, and yeah, I'd say it was on par with the, the first one. So it, the fun, it's, it's funny. Um, uh, we watched uh, a little horror movie called There's Something Wrong with the Children, which... I don't know that one. Uh, I think came out this year. Um, I would say, like, if you like uh, Honeymoon, like the, the Lee Janiak movie we covered, I think, a couple of years ago, mm. um, or or The Children, which is a Christmas horror movie that I won't get into the details of because I don't want to ruin it, or this one. Uh, if you like those, you'll probably like this. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It's, it's got some some bad reviews online, but I I didn't think too much negative of it while I was watching it. I had a good time. Um, All right, nice. And then on Friday night we watched the the last drive-in with Joe Bob for the Briggs screaming chat over on the screaming chat. That's right. 
we were uh, sitting there on Discord just chitting and chatting while we watched Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Don't know if you've ever seen that one. It's, uh, no. Okay. It was a made-for-TV movie, but uh, it's it's got some stuff. It's got some cool stuff to it. Definitely, like, y- you uh, will root against the villain very hard and be very happy when, you know, they get their comeuppance. Um, All right. Not, not you know, the best horror movie you've ever seen, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, and then uh, we didn't watch the second movie because... We wanted to watch something else. <laughs> um, but then on Sunday, we watched uh, Children of the Corn, the most recent remake of Children of the Corn. And this has a lot of terrible reviews, and, and people are like, oh, it's so stupid. It's so bad. I've heard it's but, awful. I mean, unlike me the original, something. which is a masterpiece, obviously. Right, exactly. Let me tell you something. In comparison to the original, it is a far more passable movie. But I don't even care how dumb it was. I was having a blast. There's a fucking really? corn Groot in the movie. <laughs> a dang old corn Groot, you say? There's a corn Groot that bone tomahawks somebody. Like, it's fucking rad. Oh. I, like, the dumb stuff's the dumb stuff, but whatever. Like, we've watched so many bad movies on the Screaming Chat that this one was legit just entertaining to me, even though it's there's some real bad shit in there. Like, just not good stuff in there at times. The kids' performances are good, and it's more of a prequel to the story. Like, it's more... Well, I guess it's not a prequel to the story. It's more of, like, the story of the kids actually doing the killing and stuff, mm. which I think mm-hmm. is, is more central in the actual story. Um, and, and it's rad. And there's some really good practical effects and, and gore, but there is also a CGI corn Groot. <laughs> but also that okay so yeah. that's an upgrade you know would you say it's at least better than the original because the original yes. is like not i good. think so i think so but i understand most people would probably disagree with me but i think mm, so okay. but i i do i do acknowledge that the original has some really good elements like that opening scene in the cafe where the kids start killing is badass uh the performance of of you know uh, a lot of the kids is really good etc but this one was fun which that one isn't. It's just not fun. No. This mm-hmm. one was fun for me. I was entertained, even though it was very dumb. <laughs> okay. We'll have to check it out, man. Yeah. What have you been watching? Dude, not a lot. Um, it has been really, really busy. Uh, whenever we recorded that last episode, it was the day before my birthfest, my right. 39 birthfest day. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I, my wife wanted to do some stuff for me, wanted to, to do some cool adventures and shenanigans. And I was like, the best gift of all that I could receive for my 39th birthday would be a blank day on the calendar. I don't want Absolutely. to do shit. I want to do nothing. It has been so hectic, and I have more hectic days ahead of me and the idea of yeah doing all that shit and running around and planning stuff and watching a clock just sounded like the opposite of what i wanted to do for fun you know yeah so man we uh we had a really chill day i got some good gym time some guitar time in got uh-huh. a brutal massage like in the a best brutal way brutal massage <laughs> dude i felt like i had been in like the most therapeutic car crash ever it was fantastic <laughs> Because I, I signed it. up for like a like a deep tissue massage, and you uh-huh. know I kind of specified like yeah a lot of stuff around my shoulders and back and like my forearms and shit because you know my music playing and all that. Right. And uh, dude, she did nothing but use like elbows and knees and feet, like no hands uh-huh. at all. It was elbows, knees, and feet for everything. Uh-huh. It was like 
It was like I'd been in a damn Muay Thai match. <laughs> she was just beating your ass. Like she beat she my did, ass. Yes. Yeah. She she misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> she, she thought, "Oh, I'm supposed to be going here, whip this dude's ass," and she did it. You know what, though? <laughs> now that I think about it, my wife is the one that filled out the the forms for like what you're looking for and stuff. She might have been like, Kate just fucking wrote, hurt beat him. his ass." <laughs> it's his birthday. Beat him up. You know. That's so funny. Well, she did, and it worked, and I will definitely yeah. be doing it again. It was fantastic, man. It was like beat up in in the right way, you know. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, that when when somebody just hits that that right knot just hard enough oh where it's God. hurting, but it feels so good. Yeah, no, I know Oof. what you mean. It was something else. I like. I felt high by the end of it. When you get that massage yeah. high, mm-hmm. it was fucking I know awesome, man. Yep. So that was great. I had some good food and stuff. Uh, Kate made me an apple, an apple crisp, which is just oh, yeah. a, a damn delight. Alamodi, which we consumed while we watched my birthday movie of choice, National Goddamn Treasure. Yes. Hell yeah, we were just talking about that recently because that is a fun, <laughs> dumb movie, dude. It is. It really, really is just a stupid fucking fun time. It is yep. like if you if you put um, Indiana Jones and Team America World Police and the telepods from the fly, yeah. uh-huh. National Absolutely. Treasure would come out. Absolutely. Yeah, National <laughs> it's so Treasure stupid. would come out and be like, we gotta steal the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Like this, that, they <laughs> sold that in the trailer, and I remember just being like, yeah, that sounds like my type of dumb. And it is. Yep. And yep. it is totally is. It's also got the rare Sean Bean as a bad guy, right? Which yeah, I, I now require that whenever he's a bad guy, we call him Mean Bean. Mean Bean. <laughs> mean Bean. He goes from Seen Bean if he's Seen a good guy to, to Mean, mean bean. bean if he's a bad guy. <laughs> Such a yeah. stupid movie, and it's a blast, man. It's a blast. And then, mm-hmm. dude, the the very next day. Went on a little odyssey down the road with some friends to go and watch the motherfucking Cure what? live in concert. Sad wow. boy times, man. It was a sad boy birthday, and it was a fucking twenty out of ten, dude. Unbelievable. Wow. That's Unbelievable. Awesome. Man, like you know, there there's some of these like legacy bands that you kind of worry if you're seeing them past their prime, and it's gonna be like sad you know so they're not going to be any good anymore or whatever and it'll yeah. just make you wish that you would have seen him earlier in life dude robert smith is like 64 65 and sounds uh-huh. identical to how he did in his 20s and they play like a two hour and 45 minute fucking show every damn night. that's it's wild. insane unreal unreal perfect man and they played like a lot of deep cut stuff and then like they had two encores, like they had two like ten song encores. Seriously, okay. And uh, they kind of hit you with all the hits on the way out, so they kind of gave you the serotonin, you know, of uh-huh. hearing Friday I'm in love and shit there at the very end. It was fantastic. Hell yeah! The coolest thing, man. Like this is one of those amazing like talk about setting the mood um, ideas. Holy shit, this was so cool. So it was in, you know, the the Enormo Dome State Farm whatever arena, right? Uh-huh. Just a big corporate mega arena kind of show. But whenever you walked into the place and found your seats, instead of having like the usual, you know, house music on of like, uh, you know, everybody dance now or back in black uh-huh. or just whatever right. kind of shit, 
Dude, all that they had going through the PA the entire time before the show was like the sound of a gentle thunderstorm. It was like thunder <laughs> and rain, and then the whole time, and then the fucking cure comes out. It was trying to get you in a dreary mood. <laughs> it was perfect. I mean, yeah. it really, really was. It had this effect, man, where it's like, no, you're not in the State Farm faceless corporate Enormo Dome. No, you're at you're at our house. You're at a cure Aww. show. Well, that's nice. it. Really I- worked beautifully well man that's cool yeah it was that's awesome. awesome man like that's a good birthday present i imagine fuck yes dude and then like after the show we were all starving so we found the nearest waffle house and had the most surreal waffle house experience i've ever had I wow mean, wait dude okay there, there's not hold a lot on. that are normal you know yeah that's what i was gonna say so the most surreal okay dude i'm excited I, I, I can't believe it. This is like Waffle House directed by David Lynch. I'm not joking. <laughs> I need I'll that try to give now. you the most succinct version. Fuck, I need that now. Yes. <laughs> so we waited an hour and a half to two hours to even get in. Like okay, there's a huge what? line. Yeah, I know, at a Waffle House of all places. So we hmm. waited forever, had a bunch of weird run ins with like crazy people on the street and stuff. And, like, we were waiting outside the door, and there had been people, like, waving you in. Like, okay, we got a table for four. Come on in. That kind of thing, right? Uh-huh. And finally, my buddy was just like, dude, I'm just going in. I don't give a fuck. This thing isn't moving. I see tables that are open. I'm just going in. So we followed him. And dude was just like, oh, are you guys eating in? Well, come on in. Grab a seat. Well, <laughs> like, I think what? the line was just a psychological experiment. I think that's what it was. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So oh. we get seated, dude, and our, wa- our waiter. <laughs> oh my god! I wish you could have been there, man. It was it was incredible. Like this mm-hmm. guy comes with, you know, little tiny paper cocktail napkins and a handful of silverware, <laughs> and he does the most meticulous, nervous laying out of the napkins and the silverware in front of the four of us that I have ever experienced. And it's like, he laid them all out so carefully. And then he'd like lay a fork down and he'd be like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then he'd lay a knife down and be like, sorry about that. I'm sorry, man. Sorry. And then okay. like, he like straighten them a little bit. Like, okay, now it's perfect. Was he now I can maybe take the order. on meth or he seemed too calm to be on meth. I don't oh, okay. know what the fuck okay. was going on mm. <laughs> the entire time, dude. There's no music in the Waffle House. It's dead what? silent. No okay. ambient music. The only All sound right. was, you know, the clattering of silverware and their waffle timers, which were seriously the same volume and pitch as a fucking fire alarm in your house. <laughs> like what? It was eraser head level, like psychological <laughs> torture. It, I've never been fuck? in a Waffle House where this is happening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Dude, that is insane. One of the guys at our table, it was really late at night, but he wanted a cup of coffee. And uh, one of the guys ordered a regular cup of coffee. And then it got to my buddy. He's like, do you guys have decaf? Uh-huh. And the waiter was like, what's that? What? <laughs> but he was like, yeah. He's like, it's it's like coffee that's that doesn't have caffeine in it. And the guy yeah. and the guy goes, so is that like coffee and espresso mixed together? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what that is. <laughs> Fucking nailed it. First try. That was good. 
<laughs> my friend was like, no, it's it doesn't have caffeine. And he goes, we uh um we don't have that. I'm gonna we go back in the back and that. read some labels and get back with you. <laughs> and then he just came back with two cups of coffee. It's like coffee roulette. You don't know what the fuck you're getting. Dude, the entire thing was just filled with bizarre ass shit from this waiter. It was a trip, dude. Even for a Waffle House, it was fucking weird. The only thing that could really push that over the top would be if somebody started a fight with the cook. Yeah, right? That's the only thing. I was waiting for that to happen, for sure, right? (laughs) Damn, dude. That's a crazy-ass Waffle House experience. It was... Dude, I'm barely scratching the surface. It was bananas. And then, (laughs) dude, on the way home from Georgia, it took six and a half hours to get home. What? What should have been a three-hour trip took as long as driving to the fucking beach because... Man, like we were going down the interstate and way off, like a mile in the distance, we see this huge plume of smoke. Oh. And it's like, oh shit, what is that? Are we driving into that? And it's like, yeah, this is a straight road. We're totally going to pass by it. And we can see in the distance that it's like a FedEx, like 18 wheeler that's pulled off on the side of the road on fire. Oh shit. And the driver is like, you know, uh, I don't know, 100 yards away getting checked out by paramedics or whatever. And we were like two or three cars away from passing it when all of the emergency vehicles came in and shut down the road. Like two or three cars away. Wow. And we sat there for three hours. Jesus. Yeah. While they were like putting it out and stuff. And dude, by the time that we got up to where we could pass it, the entire cab of the truck was burnt down to nothing. Like literally nothing. It was the engine block and the fucking rims sitting on the ground. Damn. Like, diesel fuel doesn't melt steel beams, dude. It was an inside <laughs> job. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> FedEx was an inside job. All right. I I think what I happened, though, somebody it. ordered, like, a, like an extra large box of flames on Amazon, and they had yeah. to deliver it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, don't do yeah. that. Yeah, you're not supposed to have flames delivered. That's like a, you got to go pick that up type of situation. That's I a pickup only yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, be considerate. Don't order those fires off Amazon, man. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I think the the only other thing we had time to watch after I got back from all those shenanigans was we watched that dang old Nimona on the on the Netflix. Okay, I, I don't I don't know anything about this. What's a Nimona? So I didn't know anything about it either, other than Eugene Yang from the Try Guys was like one of the voice cast. So I wanted to watch it just to support him because he's a great dude and uh-huh. stuff. So. It's also got, uh, fuck, what is her name? Hit Girl from Kick-Ass. Oh, Chloe uh, Moretz, right? Yeah, yeah, Chloe Moretz is in there. She's one of the voice cast as well. It's fucking great, man. It's kind of got this good, like, cell-shaded kind of animation with some really cool details and stuff, and animation is beautiful. Uh, Definitely going to get some people clutching at their pearls, because look out. There is a gay character in it, and definitely what? some like transcoding kind of stuff in there. Uh, uh, definitely some warnings about the dangers of you know a police state. Oh. It's really good, man. You'll like it huh. a lot. You should totally watch it. Yeah, no that that sounds right up my alley. I'm I'm very interested in that. It's on on a Netflix. You said it's on a Netflix, so I would definitely recommend checking it out. And uh, we watched Jaws this morning because it's Fourth of July. It's the right time. To watch yeah, it. yeah, we got we got plans to watch it uh, after this recording. Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's a Fourth of July. It's it's Jaws Day. That's just how it, it is. Just I makes think sense. it's how it goes, man. That movie, dude. Fuck, like 
even though I've seen it a bunch of times, and we did it on the show like a million years ago, uh-huh. I always manage to forget how much I like that movie. It's so fucking yeah, good. It's so good. Oh, hey, uh, for anybody who's just been like fuming, saying, Rose Byrne, Rose Byrne, since the neighbors discussion, it was Rose <laughs> that's Byrne. The, okay, that's the one. Okay. Rose Byrne. She's, she's very funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> back to Jaws. It's good backpedaling. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, Jaws rules. Fucking ten out of ten. Great movie. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I think yeah. that's about all that all that we've watched this week, man. Hell yeah! That's, I mean, that sounds like a good week. Seeing the Cure and watching Jaws ain't too bad. Had a couple rock nope. shows in there that I played too. So yeah, things are good over here in East Tennessee. Hell yeah, man! You know, I think before we get on into that preview, pal, so I'm gonna snap me open a cold one right here. I just got another Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I've been drinking through a case of these for the past uh, several months, I guess, slowly making my way through them. Still delicious, although I will tell you, I had myself another lovely summertime sip that somebody recommended that I check out. Actually, I think Roger recommended I check it out. Okay. Have you had the spaghetti? It's a beer cocktail. Oh, you told me about this. I have not had it. Uh, explain um, it the spaghetti. Rules. Okay. I don't know how this works, man. I was talking earlier about the Aperol Spritz and how obsessed uh-huh. with that I am. So if you don't have champagne on hand to make that, you can make that with the champagne of beers. Miller oh, High Oh, hell Life. yeah. Okay, Miller You just High uh, Life. You know, take your big old pull off of it, replace what you drank with a couple ounces of Aperol. You can toss a lemon or an orange in there if you want to. Okay. And it somehow tastes like an Aperol Spritz. It makes no fucking oh, wow. sense, man. Makes no That's sense. Crazy. It's amazing. Huh, that's cool. I got to try that. Give that thing a try sometime. You got yourself another co-beer? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to drink a second co-beer here. We had uh, uh, this on hand. It's a Backwoods Dreamsicle Ale Brewed with Vanilla and Orange. Oh, shit. Yeah, I like me a creamsicle, so I'm interested mm-hmm. in this. It's only 5%er. Uh, okay. I've been, I've, been, I've been just reaching for refreshing lower alcohol beers lately not looking to get uh drunk just looking to get refreshed i'm glad that it seems like at least a lot of the breweries out here are kind of also catching on to that because here's the thing like for a long time it seems like there was a big trend in the brewery community to be like let's make the most high alcohol beers we can and it's like cool so a customer comes in and gets one of those is halfway in the bag and Uh leaves yeah. Or you could make really delicious, like, four percenters and sell, like, three or four of them. Maybe yeah, try people that. people just sitting around in the heat drinking Pilsners, like, you're going to sell a lot more. That's that's for sure. Right? Yeah, don't yeah. kill your customers, and you'll have more of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is really good. It really does is taste it? like a creamsicle. Like, very, very like, very much like a, a creamsicle beer. Like, not, not too, like, hard on the beer front, but it, it's it's good and malty and sweet but not too sweet. Good stuff, man. Nice, man. Nice. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve. We are here at the end of a Harry Potter journey. Yeah. What is taken? Uh-huh. Siete años, as they say, south mm-hmm. of the border. That's seven years, gringo. What do you think about that? Huh? <laughs> Thank you, Tio Ben, huh? for the weekly Spanish lesson we always give here on Dead and Lovely. I've been doing Duolingo. I've been doing it. Yeah, you've been uh, you, you've been getting them streaks. How long you been going? They call me the streak. They I'm a regular do. Ray Stevens on that motherfucker. <laughs> Ray Stevens. 
that's a hip you don't get a joke. lot of ray stevens references these days no you really don't yeah you really don't you want to bring him back or do you want to just leave it that way uh let's see hold on let's just think about ray stevens a little bit we got uh that one uh that one uh, like a uh, song seemed a little bit racist the mm, mm-hmm. i want to talk I don't, I don't remember what it was called uh oh, ahab was the beginning oh of yeah. It. yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah but uh he also you know had that song about that squirrel in a church so i don't know seems all right Except for the other thing. <laughs> Except for the racism. <laughs> nope, it doesn't. <laughs> mm, probably not, no. Probably not, probably not. Well, anyway, we're at the end of our Harry Potter uh, journey here. I do not intend to do the Fantastic Beast movies. That's something no, we're I would not, not doing suggest them. that we no. do. No, we're not doing no, no, we're no. not talking about J.K. Rowling ever again. That's it. <laughs> but we started uh, this, and God damn yeah. it, we're completionists, so Absolutely. here we are. We had, we had to push out. ourselves through it. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I think now that we're here, we're, we're graduating. I can't fucking talk today. We are graduating. I from think you're Hogwarts. talking just fine. I'm hitting parcel tongue. Is what's happening, dude? I'm fixing <laughs> to hit you with some haya saw here in a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you just said scratch my butt. In, in I did. Parcel yeah. Tongue, uh-huh. Which yeah. a snake would need to say because they don't yeah, have any way of doing that. Mm-hmm. No hands. That's right, man. They need no somebody hands. to scratch your butts a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think it's only appropriate that we walk here into the Preview Palace and give our authoritative, nonsensical, probably completely inconsistent with how we've rated these movies, rankings on this film franchise. Let's get on into that Preview Palace. Welcome to the Preview Palace. Hellrankers Edition! Oh, shit. Holy fuck, man. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to rank the fuck out of these things. And I have uh-huh. a, a strong feeling that if you went through and checked our scores that we gave these movies when we reviewed them... It is probably completely incongruous, I would say, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I have no idea what I've said in the past about any of these movies. I'm just going off of my vibe right now, how I'm feeling, what's my favorite in, in my mind at this moment. Um, right. I, and, you know, uh, I, I'm glad we're doing this on here because Anna and I truly had no intention of ever doing a hell rankers of this. We just don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to have to talk about yeah. J.K. Rowling. So, um I, I'm I'm excited to do this, but I really don't. I, there's no science here. I have not rewatched mm-hmm. all of them recently. Not I'm me just going off my vibe. Yep, same here, man. Same here. We got eight movies to get through. Let's go from uh, let's go from worst to best. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Now we we haven't conferred here. We haven't compared no, our lists or we anything. Have not. So I'm ready for some surprises. I'm ready to have some big fucking just all out wizard duel fist fights because that's how wizards fight as we <laughs> that is how wizards fight it's the best yeah. way to fight when you're a magical person dude if you piss me off bad enough i'm gonna uh, uh grab you face to face and jump off a building with you <laughs> that's how sounds mad i'll fun. be sounds fun <laughs> so yeah we're gonna we're gonna start at our very bottom one and for me Eighth ben place. This one, uh, I, I went back and forth on my bottom two, but I, I I think, for me, number six is the worst. Same. That's what I've got for my number, oh, wow. six, uh, my number okay. eight position as well. Yeah, Half-Blood Prince, man. What a 
God, just slog of a movie that yeah. does basically nothing to advance the story other than yeah. Dumbledore dies at the end. Like, yeah. all the lovey-dovey garbage they crammed into the movie, completely missing all the cool-ass flashbacks and stuff. I mean, right. as we said on our review, it's kind of a hard story to turn into a movie. It you is. Know? It is, yeah. So, it, it, it really did just... I don't know. A lot of these do just become service to the people who've read the books. And, and that one certainly requires that you have read the books. Like, oh, it, you have to. It doesn't make any sense otherwise. So, yeah. No. I think it's. Uh, I think we're right here. Number six is I think still so. Worst. It's yeah. also just an ugly, dark, drab-ass movie. Like, it it yeah. is the most unmagical-feeling one, for sure. Yeah, its coolest moments are in the cave, of course. Uh, that yes. is, is badass. All that stuff is good. Everything else is just like, bleh, whatever. Ugh. Totally yeah. agree. That's the worst one, man. Okay, your number seven position. Where are you okay. coming in on this one? I don't. I don't know if we'll agree on this one. I think maybe we're close here. Uh, okay. I would say my number seven is Goblet of Fire, number four. Okay. Okay. I'm very different on that one. Okay. I have. Uh, I have a different opinion. Why would you put Goblet of Fire in this position? You know, when we when we I watched it originally, I liked it, and then like. When we did it for the show, and I was just comparing it to the, my knowledge of the book, and then also just watching it as a movie, I do not enjoy it. I I think there's some really cool imagery at times. I that's why I put it above six. Like everything I have above here, I, I like a lot a lot of the things about it. This one, fewer things to like. I I think the performance of Cedric's dad when he dies is is really like touching and there's like Bye-bye. some right there's some real cool stuff in there but it also is just like i don't know it, it misses out on stuff while adding a whole bunch of nonsense that is unnecessary i mean aesthetically yes. it's it's okay but everything else is like kind of bland to me mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so what's your I number see seven? That. i understand dude my number seven i have fucking chamber of secrets part two oh there, okay man. okay it so, is just such a fucking boring movie. And here's the weird thing about it. Uh-huh. Um I have I have part 1 way higher on my list. Uh Sorcerer's Stone uh-huh. is way higher on my list than this one. Okay. For the same reasons that this one is lower on the list. <laughs> like, okay. It's really it's hard for me to even understand my logic in doing it this way because uh-huh. they're really very equal movies in terms of how they look, how they feel, the acting. No, I know what you all mean. All that stuff. But, man, it's just boring. Like, it doesn't really do a ton to advance the story, which, you know, I mean, at the time that this was written, you know, there's no way she knew how big this shit was going to get. This might have just been a series of kids' books, so she wrote another kids' book, and it didn't really step up in any way like the other books did after this. Very much on the same level as the first one, so... It didn't really give me anything new. It's long as fuck, too. It is long. Let me blow your mind here, Ben. Guess what my number six is? Chamber of Secrets. There you go. All right. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. I I think, uh, yeah, it's got all the same, like, feel of of the first one, but it it doesn't bring anything new. Uh, Honestly, like, the way they portray Dobby isn't, is just annoying. 
Oh my god, that's a huge problem. Yeah, fucking dickhead Dobby, man. Yeah, the worst. Yeah, yeah. So I I I agree with you. I I just don't think that one's very good. What you got at number six? For my number six position, I have part five, the Order of the Phoenix. Okay, okay. And this is I I have that one a bit higher. Uh, I figured you would. Yeah, yeah I know that's yeah. like one of your favorite books and stuff too, man. It was. It was I understand yeah. it. I understand yeah. why it is very well written and shit. But like, to me, the it's movie, also a drudge. <laughs> oh, it's totally a yeah. drudge, and it's it's bizarre because the movie is so fucking short. It feels like you are absolutely sprinting through this story, but also not really getting anywhere <laughs> at the same time. Like it completely blows the whole prophecy thing. Uh, a lot of the things that made this book good, yeah. the actual building of the Order of the Phoenix and all that kind of shit, like the movie really blows it. Although I will say, bonus points for having easily the best wizard fight in the entire Absolutely. series. That wizard fight is yeah. bad as shit, dude. Yes, it is. It is so good. Uh, the fight between Voldemort and uh, Dumbledore in in the Ministry amazing is the best wizard battle we see in the the series. Uh, oh, by by miles. And what's her name is Umbridge is really good too. I'll she say. is great. You're right though. It's a drudge. I I, I get that. Um, yep. and next next on my list, like, uh, your number five. Yeah, th- this is where we get into like. Honestly, I could watch any of these anytime. I wouldn't be mad about it. Uh, right. So, I think. Number seven, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, part one. That's what uh, I've got. Yep. And it's, it is, uh, uh, we're going to talk more about it. I don't want to say too much ahead of time. Uh, it is, it is, uh, the, the way it's shot, I very much enjoy. It has an aesthetic, it has a feel. It, it's definitely got moments that drag, but it has some really cool moments as well that kind of do a good job of setting up part two um i feel bad for that movie because it has so much backpedaling and explaining to do because exactly yeah (laughs) of all the shit they left out of six and five right like that's the problem with this movie like if six and five would have you know hung on to the plot points that they should have Uh seven i call it 7.1 in my notes could have been a much more you know Forward momentum, exciting, interesting watch, but it was having to do a lot of explaining it to was. make up for it. It was, and, and I think that, despite the fact that, like, while watching it, like I, I do, just see a bunch of stuff that I'm like, you know, you could rush right through this, and and it, w- it doesn't need as much time or whatever. Despite all that, when you're just looking at it as it is as a movie and not thinking about that, they probably unnecessarily split the the last book into two movies that it, it's it's a good standalone movie when you know that its point is to set up a, a final like battle sort of situation right uh, it feels kind of uh, i saw one critic compare it to uh uh you know empire strikes back where it's like it, it's a great bridge movie and because of that people love it Man, I don't agree with that at all. Because like, I'll sit down and watch Empire on its own just for the hell of it. I would never sit down and watch this on its own as a one-off. Never. This is one I would only yeah, watch. I can. If I, I was can watching the franchise. 
Yeah, you know? I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I agree yeah, with yeah. it as being a good bridge movie. It's not a good, not as good as a standalone as Empire Strikes Back. Obviously, totally, totally, yeah. man. So, what's your fourth place then? My fourth place then would be uh, Order of the Phoenix, uh, number five, which, uh, okay. you know, I acknowledge all the things you say uh, are, are wrong about it, et cetera, and you're right, uh, but uh, it just has so many good elements to it that I enjoy aesthetically and, and stuff like that, that, um, you know, I, I, I'd put it above this because it works as a standalone. I think it does work as a standalone movie, more, more like a little bit better, and, and it also... Uh, you know, it, it, it does a good job of adapting a lot of the more moody stuff that I think is really well done in the fifth book, though. I know I understand why people don't like it because it is so well done that it makes you feel like shit to read it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Totally get that, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I still just enjoy that movie. What, what do you got there? Uh, you're number four. My fourth place is 7.2, Deathly Hallows Part 2. Okay. Uh, and again, okay. We'll, we'll get more into it here in a second. There's a lot of good about it, for sure. Uh-huh. But my, my biggest problem with it is that it's not really a standalone movie. Like, in order right. to watch this movie, I have to watch 7.1, and I don't really want to watch 7.1 that much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, but again, a I, lot of the a lot of the strongest stuff in the series, acting wise and all that. There's a lot right. to love here in seven point two. Some great there action, is. some great set there pieces is. and stuff. A uh, lot to praise here. But again, I I, I kind of feel like I would have to watch all these other shitty ones to really enjoy it. Right, and that it's my number three, uh, seven point okay, two, or, or, or the eighth movie. Yeah, uh, it it is it is. Um, I think. It has some of the best wizard battles aside from uh, part five that has the best. Uh, some of the best wizard battles, really great stuff like, you know, uh, Snape and McGonagall, uh, yes. uh, Bellatrix and, and Molly, uh, 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 fucking all sorts of just like really cool spells and stuff being used like uh, Goyle using that fucking fiend fire. Way cool, cool stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And like... I enjoy that. Uh, the central battle itself, which we'll talk about more, I think is lackluster, and that that sucks. But um, yeah, I, I don't want to say too much because we got we got all sorts of time to talk about uh, seven point one and seven point two. Uh, Definitely, man. Yeah what what do you what do you got then at your number three? All right, we're getting up here to the podium, the bronze, the silver, uh -huh. and the galleon up top, man. Let's right. talk about this right here. So. My third place, although I have very many problems with it, um, uh -huh. is The Prisoner of Azkaban, part three. That's what I'm okay. putting in third right here. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's missing so many of the elements that made the book fucking cool. Right. But this is the first time that I think they kind of aged it up and took it a little bit more serious. Right. And there's and made some it really cool. Yeah, yeah. There's some cool looking aesthetic choices they did in yep. here with the castle and the werewolves and stuff that, you know... I don't know. I can complain about because then they were never acknowledged again. All the movies after this that were David Yates and shit never captured that look. Exactly. Again. Yeah. It's kind of like it's almost like a window into an alternate, like more Tim Burton-y, darker Harry Potter right. movie universe. Yeah. Um, and it's watchable on its own. That's what I like about the third book too. Is like you can read the third book out of sequence and it's fine and it's an enjoyable read because it doesn't just hinge on 
all the stuff that came before it, all the stuff that's coming after it. It's kind of the mm-hmm. only non Voldemorty book. So it works on its own to me. It's not overly long. It doesn't really drag. And it looks cool. So that's my third place. Oh, wow. Okay. So, wow. Now we're getting into our, our top two here. And it sounds third like... Place? Uh, it was it was uh, seven point two. Um, oh, okay. All right, seven point yeah. two is your third place, right? Right. Yeah, right. and it is clear that at least one of ours uh, <laughs> is 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 similar, and yes. uh, that is part one, and that, I've got that at number two. There you go. Okay. Uh, All right. So that's your second choice is yeah. the Philo Surfers Stone. Yes. Uh, it it most accurately I feel like captures the spirit of the book it's adapting but you know it is of course very much for children etc which is the first book the first book was written very much for children and it's more silly and absurd and stuff and the first movie kind of captures that of course you know you got the bad cgi and stuff like that but they're so cute they're just little cuties and they're not great actors but it's still fun and yeah I, i i i enjoy watching that one uh, so what, what about you? Well, where, where, what's your number two here? My second place is part number four, dude. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm going into that triwizard tournament. Yeah. Yep, and and yep. honestly, I, I can't even justify it that much. All the to. complaints as for like why it landed low on your list, all completely valid. Like right. this movie butchers so much stuff from the book like it misses the point entirely and changes stuff that didn't need to be changed and omits stuff that really should not have been omitted and and all that jazz but i think i really like this one because it is the the hinge between the lighter earlier movies and the darker stuff that's to come later on like this movie has so much you know expanding of the wizarding world with like oh there's other schools and you meet all these other new students and shit and there's this huge you know wizard olympics shit like the world building is still going on here in the fourth part and then it gets pretty dark and heavy later on when voldemort comes back i like the look of this one a lot it's not Mm -hmm. super mired and being dark teal ugly olive green drab like a lot of the other movies after this are right it still is bright and pretty to look at, and there's a lot of cool set pieces and shit. Although there, again, are tons of fucking problems with it, and it surely doesn't make sense if you've not read the book. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. There are a lot of enjoyable parts of that, for sure. Um, right. And, and now, uh, here we go. I mean, I know what your number one is now, uh, and you got to assume what mine is as well. Uh, mine is The Prisoner of Ass Cabin. Which I'm That's pretty right. sure when we did it on the show, I just tore it apart. Uh, but <laughs> guess <Same>. what? <laughs> it's cool. Uh, like, turn it on. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that, man. I yeah. mean, is there any particular reason you gravitate towards that one? No, just when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, I think that's my favorite one. It's got, as you said, like it's it's got the interesting aesthetic that would have been so cool if they kept that up like it's yeah it's still whimsical and absurd but also more dark and more like leaning toward the the angst that would come but i just feel like so much of the books still keep a lot of the absurdity and whimsy up to the the fifth book and even in the fifth book you know you got fred and george doing their pranks and stuff and everybody's buying all these different like you know 
prank things and whatnot and there's like fun funny stuff going on in the background like yeah the whimsy gets kind of lost by six and seven there's not a lot of that anymore it's just it's all darkness but yeah i i think if if they had kept up that that style uh it it would have been better though i i think that david yates is shooting style in both part one and part two of of this is is really good it's way better than than the stuff and say like order of the phoenix or whatever agreed yep yeah. totally agreed man yep makes sense i can get yep. it man yeah part number one is my number one on here yeah i think that okay. it, it peaked early kind of for the same reasons you said a second ago it seems like it really captured the vibe the vision the tone of the source material the best and you know, obviously the acting sucks. It's a bunch of kid actors doing the first time thing. Right. The effects suck. It was like early two thousands. Yep. You know, rubber CGI looking sucks. terrible. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a lot of just you know plot holes and things you can you can pick apart really easily. Sure. But it was made for an audience that wouldn't really care about any of that shit. Not dudes right. in their thirties, forties doing a podcast uh-huh. about it. Like that's it's true. not made for us, man. You know, like that's the, true. the bad acting, the rubbery creatures and stuff that does not matter if you're eight years old and watching this, like you should be right. It feels magical and whimsical. The soundtrack does so much heavy lifting in it. Uh-huh. I have actually watched that first movie more times than I care to admit. It's one of those I just tend to put on when it's like, right. I don't know what I want to have on in the background while I'm fucking, you know, washing dishes or whatever. It's like, fuck it, just put that on. I can also listen to a, a podcast or whatever while it's on because I don't need to sure. pay attention to it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it That's delivers cool. the best, man. I think it delivers the best because even, oh, yeah. you know, as the movie started getting darker, it's like the kids... The kids' acting didn't really catch up that much for the Not most part. Not at first, part. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does by the end. I think it does I think by the caught end. up. Yeah, right. But the movies matured faster than the cast did, they did. in a lot they of ways. Did. But in this one, it doesn't really matter that they're not. No, that good. no, it's it's fine. It works perfectly. It feels like a kids movie. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that it kind of nails the tone, and it's just an easy to watch easy to have on at any time kind of thing that you can put on and probably have a decent time with. So, yeah, that's my number one. Well, hell yeah, we got through that pretty easily. Uh, and we did not, it, man. Not too far off of each other, honestly. No, no, not really that bad off, man. So, I think that we done a good job here in the preview palace, but hell I want to yeah. know what your all's rankings are, too. Yeah, let us I know. I know how you guys have set these things up, so let us know over on the Facebook group, our Twitter, our Instagram, our social medias that you can find using our Linktree page. Uh, definitely hang out in that Facebook group. That's the place you want to be. You yeah, want to be it's there. Fun. It's fun. Uh, we're also on Blue Sky. Um, so if, if, you're on, if you're on Blue Sky, we're dead and lovely. Come check us out. We're uh, there you go. You know, doing the same thing you do on all the other social media sites. I need to learn how to like be a cool person and and know what that is. You mentioned Blue Sky to me as like a new uh-huh. social media thing. I I, yeah. I I have no idea what the fuck it is. It it is the Twitter replacement. Um, I'll, I'll get you an invite. You should get on there. Huh. Okay. What makes it like better or different than Twitter? Um. You remember how Twitter was before Elon Musk took over? Yeah, it's just kind of that, but they're oh. far fewer white supremacists. I like they're that still, about They're it still making their wear on there, but people are you know blocking them almost immediately. So that that's fun. Okay, well that yeah. sounds better. Maybe check it out. 
<laughs> Can I pay eight bucks to get a vanity check mark though? No, you I don't. Really like you that. don't have to pay a single bucks to do anything of the sort. So there you go. Impossible. Wow. Impossible. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve, let's talk about Harry Potter and yep. them deftly hellos. Parts one and two. Combo that we're doing here on the show today. I assume you saw these in the theater whenever they come out, right? We did. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, definitely went and saw them in the theater back in the day. Um, I remember being a little underwhelmed with part one and being like fine with part two, but then Same. never really rewatching either one of them. Yeah, I know, right? totally the same deal and it's weird because in my head i'm like yeah you know they're 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 so doomy and apocalyptic and there's so much death and you know it's Uh not fun but then at the same time i'm like you want to watch return of the king director's edition literally anytime because i do i do well that's the thing i think like if they had put the effort in to make this one three and a half hour movie agreed it would have been better but yes. i mean when you look at the fact that they had a they shot this all at once with a 250 million dollar budget and Jeez. they made 2 billion 319 million 100,000 dollars i Good think god we know why they split it into two because <laughs> of that huge pile of money that's an insane amount of dough to make off it is. of a flick man yeah it's 30 percent of what the franchise made total 30 percent was made by these two movies yeah it's crazy that's pretty insane but i, I do agree with you in that if they would have found a more tidy way to make this one big ass long movie i think that would have been fine i mean even in theaters return of the king was yeah three and a half hours yeah, and, and, and people didn't care because they were excited no. to see it, and people were excited to see this. So, yes, they could have made a three-and-a-half-hour version. They had no interest because they wanted to split the movie <laughs> into two, which started a whole trend of people doing that, which was like so clearly just a cash grab. It was so mm-hmm. unnecessary, like especially with like Twilight. There was oh, no God, reason right? for that. It was just like cash grab entirely. Um, we, we do have to talk about kind of the legacy of these movies because of that, like that they, these movies made that trend happen. But beyond that, they actually kind of moved all big studios away from creating original blockbuster movies and just making blockbuster movies off of already established franchises. Yeah, yeah, um, like the the Hunger Games and all that other shit that came after this. Uh, like, and, whatever the well, thing the teenagers are reading, do that to death, please. Well, also Mar- the MCU, the DCEU, the all the all the the franchises that are just adaptations of already popular work come from the immense popularity of the Harry Potter movies. So the mm. the the. <laughs> When I look at the legacy of these movies, it it's it's an overall negative. I think <laughs> like they gave us so much craven, cash grabby nonsense that we barely ever get uh, an original IP movie anymore. Uh, and that, I mean that's why I think stuff like Fast and the Furious is awesome because 
that that's all original idea. That is just like, oh, we're, uh, we go everywhere in cars because we're family. You know, whatever. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Wonderful. I don't care. Go to space. Great. Uh, it, 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 the problem is when everything is just adaptations of already popular stuff and then it becomes repetition of adaptations of already popular stuff so now we're remaking like there, there's talk of course of remaking this franchise as a television i was gonna series. say yeah yeah uh, we're already which, there like like twice in our lifetimes at least they're gonna do this entire thing again will you watch it if they do a series that's like no, a book no i'm thing? not interested i haven't watched okay. All those Fantastic Beast movies. I'm not interested in adaptation. I'm not interested in giving her any more money. I don't want to give her any more attention. I understand if uh, you know people are interested. I was thinking while watching this that it's like if they had known the ending of the books when they started making the movies, the movies would have been better. But she's exhausted all of her goodwill to the point where I don't care if they even do make better versions. I'm not interested in watching them. Mm, yeah, I, I'm at odds, honestly, where I, I totally get everything you're saying, where it's like, do we want to give her any more money, attention, notoriety when she has become such a problematic human being? No, not really. Then also, I'm like... Did did I enjoy reading the books? Yes. And yeah. do I want to see more accurate, faithful things, you know, represented on screen? Because I know how much cool stuff they left out of these movies, and maybe even you know, give it a shot with better actors and stuff. Maybe maybe I do. I have a feeling I would watch it honestly. Like even mm. even though I do have issues with it, I have a feeling I would at least give it a chance. Well, I mean, it's as I said. The, the product could easily end up way better. Uh, she is very revisionist, and a lot of the things that are said in the Harry Potter books and movies are things that uh, don't really jibe with her current philosophy. And I would <laughs> what wonder do you if mean it, I well, I mean, you know, she's uh, <laughs> she's she's anti-trans and. She presents one of the most vile villains of the entire series, uh, Umbridge, uh, in this this trial about like blood purity, right? So yeah. she's got Umbridge questioning this witch who was invited to Hogwarts, who went to Diagon Alley, who went and bought her wand from Ollivander. The wand chose her. And Umbridge is questioning where she stole this wand from because she's not hmm. a witch. Because she's not she a full blood one. witch, she hmm. cannot be a witch. Says so, the bad guy in the story she wrote. Right. So, th <laughs> so the bad guy's hmm. belief is that only those who are born pure blood witches are actually witches. Right. Huh. I wonder what like if you could correlate that to transness in any way. And I wonder <laughs> if then no. the villainous asshole would say something similar to, uh, you know, uh, uh, a trans, uh, woman is just a man like mm -hmm. that, that sort of vile nonsense that she spews. I, I would just wonder if in any adaptation, she would change the slant on a lot of these things. Hmm. 
Could be. I Honestly, know. I would be interested to see because especially if she has a lot of stake in, you know, being like a, a a main writer on this stuff. I wonder how she might change some of those things, right? Yeah, but I I also just think like we've we've seen all these cash grabby adaptations, like you know the Rings of Power type of shit. It, it, I don't think there'd be much chance of it even kind of being good. Most of the mm. people who work in Hollywood wouldn't want to associate themselves with the show. That's kind of the problem, too, right? right? Yeah, now yeah, there's so kind you, of like, a, oh, so you agreed to be on that show knowing all the yeah. stuff that the author has said? Hmm. So all you can fucking hire now is Kevin Sorbo and Gina Carano. I mean, <laughs> Kevin Sorbo is Dumbledore? Like, okay, maybe. <laughs> Gina Carano is Hagrid. That'd be awesome, huh? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shit, man. Wow. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll see how it goes, man. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, yeah. This was kind of an interesting one to watch in theaters. I mean, the book had already been out for a while, and we'd read that, and you know, going into this knowing that this was kind of the end of the the major era of the of the Potter universe, it was kind of interesting to see that chapter closing because it had been such a thing for so long. Like, I mean, I didn't start reading the books and watching the movies until I think it was like when the fourth book came out. I want to say is when I started reading the first one because Kate's family was like really into him and stuff. That might've been when the second movie came out. I think we saw the second movie in theaters. Hmm. I have to to check with her honestly to remember. uh, I, I, um, read the the entire series up to six because of of your your wonderful sister-in-law jesse mm-hmm. who yep. <laughs> when i was over hanging out with you guys uh, at kate's parents house i you guys are talking about harry potter i said i'd never read them she went and grabbed them and said read these and i did and uh i go. i enjoyed them um so i i also didn't have to wait long for this i i literally it was like i think a month I had to wait a month for the seventh one. So I never actually dealt much with having to wait for things except the movies. So when part one came out and then there was a year between, like the ending of part one upset me knowing there was a year between. It was like such a weird place to stop, I felt like. Right. Uh, Now watching it, I'm like, yeah, where else would you stop, I guess. But uh, then it was very upsetting to have to wait an entire year to see the finale. Yeah, totally, man. And like I said, I, I got into this stuff when I was maybe 17, so like 2001-ish, and these movies came out 2010 and 2011, right? So I guess yeah. I had a solid decade, you know, where it was like yeah. reading the books, watching the movies, reading the books, watching the movies. So this was a pretty big chunk of uh, of my young adulthood, I would say. So I remember going into this, you know, being kind of excited to see how they would adapt some of these things that I'd read in the book, but also kind of, you know, maybe being a little bit sad that it was kind of the end of that. Those days that we had of like Harry Potter Day where a new book came out and there's a movie in the theaters and it was like, right. let's get everybody together and wait in line at the bookstore and shit. Like, those are still awesome memories for me that... yeah. You know, JK being a, a horrible person. Can't uh, take away, yeah. Can't take away, yeah, yeah, exactly. Those memories that that I had with friends and stuff were so important and so fun. So I'll always hang on to that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was interesting going into this just because it was, it was the end of the Potter era. And uh, I haven't really watched these many times since then. I would say this is probably only the maybe third time 
I've watched yeah, I both think of these movies. That's I think that's where I'm at with them as well. So yeah, I haven't I haven't felt that compelling feeling to go back to these regularly. I don't know. It, it I I it felt kind of I remember in the theater to me it just felt kind of anticlimactic a little. Mm-hmm. Uh but I mean rewatching them I think. No, these are these are solid flicks. It was it was a I don't know, it was a feeling, it was a moment and it was the ending of that, you know? So I I feel like rewatching them has helped me appreciate them a little bit more as films while also saying like man if you don't read the books these movies a lot of there's them no just way. don't no. make sense at all <laughs> there's no way that these things make sense or that they no. have any kind of emotional impact like this, no, you know, yeah. these How? movies How have so they? many like emotion bomb moments in them that can't mean jack shit to you if you've yeah. only seen the movies like i know so many people that have only seen the flicks and they're like it was so sad when dobby died and it's like why How? explain why? to me why yeah. is it because people in the theater were crying and you thought that was sad because like right you haven't seen that motherfucker in like a decade you haven't seen him since second grade <laughs> Come on, yeah, it it is it, the the emotion is taken out of Dobby because there, he has no presence in in any of the movies except for two. The emotion is taken out of Mad Eye dying entirely because we really haven't seen actual Mad Eye movie in Moody in the movies at no. all except a little bit uh-uh. in part five, I think. Yeah, um, he's basically Sir not appearing in this film. Like at least in right. the books, through all the Order of the Phoenix stuff. Right. You get to know him a lot more. He's in a lot more scenes. Right. But yeah, you're right. He's in Goblet of Fire movie as not himself, except uh-huh. for a very little bit at the end when he's like tortured and feeble. He's in a little bit of Order of the Phoenix, but there's no reason you should have any emotional connection. So maybe it's okay that they made him die off screen. Like initially, and I was really just mad said, that Matt he died I off Moody screen. Died, and then there yeah. was a moment of silence, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. But then, if you've just watched the movies, that's probably about all he deserved, honestly. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I think uh, also, like, Hedwig's death is, like, so unearned. Like, it really is just like, remember this in the book? Like, it comes out Oof. of nowhere. He's just like, oh, I'm uh, here too. I died. And it's like, <laughs> oh, sad. A, a cute bird died. That's it. Like, it, it's that a cute bird died. Like, the movies haven't established why you would care so much about this bird. Like, he, right? essentially being Harry's only friend throughout the summers at times. Like, yeah, I, I think, yeah, the emotional impact of a ton of it is is really nullified. Though, the emotional impact of some things really works. Like, Bellatrix torturing Hermione. Uh, fucking the the bits in the woods with like you know how how ron is just like really falling apart and when he comes back etc like all those moments work really well i think um yeah and then in part two there's a lot of really well-earned emotional moments though i one of the one of the ones of course being uh you know molly weasley stepping in saying not my daughter you bitch or whatever like no no that's really cool mcgonagall stepping up and like beating uh snape in a duel and then lighting the 
the torches in the hall and i think that cool. is the first time in these two movies that you hear the wow it's it's not really in the movies because there's yeah. no hope and that's uh-uh, like a sig- no. signal of hope so this is like that hope moment so that hits really well and then of course it does you know uh a fucking uh neville killing nagini uh harry coming back etc all those things are still hit but a ton of the things they're trying to make hit don't hit unless you've read the books because it doesn't make any sense movie wise right yeah seriously yeah yeah i totally totally get that there are moments in here that do work for me as well um but man if you just watch these movies you've got to just be lost right absolutely 100 percent i like i couldn't possibly see somebody just walking in and seeing these two movies after watching all the other movies and and understanding exactly what's happening like the main points you get all the like you know uh people like they keep showing people just it's it's like a it's like remember huh like it's like they're nudging you to be like remember slughorn huh here he is slughorn yeah, uh-huh. yeah like yeah, it, it wouldn't matter much to anybody uh, if they hadn't read the books. I don't feel like. But I will say one thing that I think this movie does well, and the book does uh, like extremely well, actually, is giving you like one last final tour of everything that you've seen in this entire series. Like this takes you back uh-huh. to the Chamber of Secrets. This takes right. you back to his little his little hidey hole under the stairs. Like right. It really is kind of like a greatest hits list in a way that gives <laughs> you a, an actual reason to go back to those places. Like, oh, well, we have to go back to the Chamber of Secrets to get the Basilisk Fang that can right. stop the Horcruxes and stuff. Like, it's not just like, hey, remember when? It's like, this stuff needs to happen to progress the story. It just happens to be something that was in one of the previous movies. Um, I think it does a really good job of that, kind of giving us that final last look at a lot of those iconic you know characters and locations that we've had yeah. for the past decade you know one of the things that it does regarding like all these characters that we've you know grown to to know and love through reading the books or watching the movies one of the things it does finally for the hogwarts professors is show how badass they actually are that's like, true. This is kind of like that moment in uh, which of the Star Wars prequels was it where we got to see like Yoda whip ass? I think it was part two, the Attack of the Clones, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's like that, where it's like, oh my God, there he is being the badass. Yeah, he's Earth a badass. He is. Yep, yep. He, he, is, he is awesome. Flipping around. <laughs> it's so silly. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, you get to see the Hogwarts professors being badass. And I'll be honest with you, when I started thinking about it i was like this should have happened fucking book two like right we were presented all these people and told that they're good at magic but we never see it they never show it they just Mm-mm. tell and show yeah show us don't tell us give us in the second book i feel like this is the perfect place to do it some moment where the professors show how badass they actually are so we respect them more in the future books when they're talking and teaching and stuff right yeah because the the stuff they do like setting up the charms and the wards and like waking up the castle and stuff all that stuff so cool they're all dueling and kicking ass and stuff 
it's it's great and it, it, i really feel like it should have been set up earlier just to because like that is one of the things i would say like other than mcgonagall and snape there's not a lot of relationship with the professor characters in the hogwarts and our relationship with mcgonagall is oh she's like a nice grandma character and her relationship with snape is oh he's he's a mean guy who helps sometimes mean yeah mean man <laughs> like we don't we just don't get enough i don't think i i think like I mean, these are kids' books. And again, like, we're talking about them as adults. If there were an adult version of this, I feel like, yeah, we would get more more about the professors and how badass they are and, like, their backstories and stuff. Since it's a kids' book and it's aimed at kids, we're really getting Harry's perspective most of the time. And unfortunately, she never wrote instances where the teachers would really prove themselves i guess but that would have been good it would have been good to have that earlier in in the series mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know some of that that final tour that i'm talking about where we get to see harry you know leaving his home and the the, the dursleys kind of go off and do their thing um I, I missed for one that kind of like reconciliation that that dudley and harry had oh yeah there uh-huh. at the last second you know in the book yeah i kind of miss seeing that for some reason in my head i thought that happened in the movie but it didn't no it doesn't um so you know harry sends the dursleys off to a a protected location meanwhile hermione gives her parents alzheimer's <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Okay, so what's uh, what's the plan here? So okay. her so her many questions about Olivia. Don't remember dude. her, but that doesn't yeah. mean the Death Eaters don't know they're her parents, so they could still come kill them. That they I don't should remember think, her, yeah. but they have framed pictures all over the place that now are of nothing. Yeah. They have um, a room up in their upstairs full of like a teen girl's clothing and possessions. <laughs> they yeah, they also have like neighbors and friends and stuff who are going to be like, "How's Hermione doing?" Who? Uh, yeah. Who, who's yeah. that? Huh? Exactly. So these people are going to be put in an institution of some sort. <laughs> what? I mean, what? the idea is that they 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 go off to Australia. Like she put some idea right. in their head. Yeah. Somehow not that they should the like movie. go to Australia. No, in the movie, they're talking about Australia that. for a second. Sure. But as far as we know, she just wiped their memories and, and then left, which is yep. insanely fucked up. And it is. <laughs> thinking about it, like what if there was a scene shortly after that, like after the three of them, you know, leave their homes and they, they convene together and all that jazz. And Harry's like, Oh, Hermione, it was really tough sending the Dursleys away to a protected place where they'll be safe from the Death Eaters. What did you do with your family? Where did you send them? And she's like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Fuck. Send oh, fuck, them. Harry. Fuck. What the fuck was I? Hermione, you're the smartest wizard in your grade. You wiped their fucking minds? Are you insane? You don't have parents anymore. You're an orphan now. I think she does later to villains. Like, (laughs) she's fucking Hermione the mind eraser out here. Like, (laughs) dude, unreal, unbelievably fucked up. How is Obliviate not a forbidden curse, dude? It should be. You can do that to anybody, anytime, anywhere, and get away with it. 
I mean, seriously, yeah, you could like make them entirely forget their like beloved or like fucking one of their kids or something. Like that's evil. <laughs> what the for fuck? real? And here's the thing about it too. Like, it's obviously something where you can selectively wipe out certain parts. So, could I just like be in a duel with somebody and I'd be like, "You forget how to retain your bowels," and they're like, "Oh they god," just and they just start themselves? shitting themselves. <laughs> like, could you, you know, not bet- do that? I forget all your curses. How about that? Hey, Voldemort, probably, forget every curse you know. You could probably, like, there are there got to be a spell to make someone shit themselves without making them forget how to hold their shit in. But <laughs> I think that's probably more menacing. Now they don't know how to do it at all. They're just yeah, like constantly forget how to wipe your shit. ass. You know? <laughs> Holy moly. It seems like you could do some absolutely insane shit to people yeah. that annoy you if you could selectively wipe out parts of their memories especially when it's not even illegal to do it right it's illegal to uh control someone's mind with the imperious curse a thing that our heroes do uh, that leads to the death of the person under the Harry imperious Potter curse. kills a banker Harry he Potter kills a kills, banker <laughs> which is you know what good start Harry Potter if you don't <laughs> know what Potter's I'm talking about he he throws Imperio on a banker at Gringotts, leads him underneath a vault, and then a dragon incinerates him. Yeah, Harry Potter because he's under the Imperius curse. There's yeah. no other reason why he would have been incinerated. It's only because of the Imperius curse. Our that little goblin's that. family, dude, uh-huh. he's getting a call. Like his family is getting a call, being like, uh-huh. "Your husband is gone. Your father is gone." He's yeah. incinerated by a dragon in one of the vaults. Harry well, Potter put the Imperius curse on him and led to this. I okay, so the 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 thing is, of course, as uh, we've talked about before, the the Gringotts uh, situation is all really racist and uses Jewish stereotypes and stuff, and they even like give Griphook like black eyes and shark teeth. Did they always look like that? I don't feel like they did. I don't remember, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. Um, the, within the universe of the book, these these are just evil. They're just evil. I mean, they are torturing a dragon downstairs. So, like, i kind of cool with them getting killed. <laughs> I think Maybe. that's, like, what they were playing off of, where it's just like, do you care? honestly <laughs> do you though <laughs> do yeah. you really because like they, what if it's does... at the end of a donkey kong country mine car ride would you care then mm? she, Maybe she not. does like it, it's so like fucking dead brained the shit she does in this fucking entire series like of course they're 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 uh racist stereotypes but then also like grip hook it just becomes a bad guy out of nowhere for no reason. Yeah. He's like, fuck you, I'm taking the sword, and you guys yeah. are going to burn to death in here with this uh, thieves right? downfall curse. Fuck you guys anyway. Bye. Yeah. What? Anyway. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I just, like, thinking of, of so much about, and I've talked about it before, but I, I really just need, I think, finally to put a, a, a nail in the coffin of this conversation that I think I've, I've, I've talked about a couple times, but wizard capitalism makes no fucking sense 
I looked it up because I, I, we've talked about it before. You, you know, with magic, you can, you can make water come out the end of your wand. You can yeah. create shelter with ease without breaking a sweat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I looked into it because I know there's like the rule that you can't create food, but I, I looked into the technicalities of it. You can summon food, you can transform food, and you can increase the quantity of food. And also, didn't know this, uh, uh, you can summon sauces, wine, and potable water. So, what? You could have a tiny crumb of bread and turn it into a loaf of bread and then, like, poof down like a fucking uh, balsamic and oil sauce to dip it in, and boom, you're fed. Like, why are so there wait, poor are you, people? Are you saying wizards run Subway? Is that what you're getting wizards at Wizards run Subway, I'm saying. Yeah, that's what that <laughs> that's is. what you're getting at. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> weird they didn't figure out about Jared, but... Uh, I, I think that, um, I, I think that, uh, so what I'm getting at is really particularly, I want to talk about the Weasleys and why it is she points out that they're poor because I know because what? they afforded to rebuild their house that just burnt down the movie before. <laughs> well, okay. Right? We, we, we got to talk about that because that breaks the entire movie the thing they threw in that wasn't in the books because then yeah, why do then they send, like never mind why do they use their house as a as a fucking uh spot for harry because the death eaters know where it is according it seems to like the previous the most movie obvious spot and it's like right. we should hide harry here and hold a huge wedding surely nothing right. bad will happen of yeah. course something bad's gonna happen all right so here's here's the thing there are wizard jobs. Uh, you can work at, uh, somewhere on Diagon Alley. You can work somewhere at Hogsmeade. You can work at Hogwarts, or you can work at the Ministry. They all seem to pay the same. Um, people who have a bunch of money have like generational wealth from long, long ago. And then there are the Weasleys. Arthur Weasley works at the Ministry. For some reason, I guess he's paid less than everybody else. Gotta um, be. And, and so they're poor. Now, what does that mean in the wizarding world? It means they can't afford to buy stuff on Diagon Alley once a year. But they still go on vacations, <laughs> and they go to the Quidditch World Cup, and they uh, have everything they need and all the food they want and a house big enough for their huge family. And so they're 80s th- poor is what you're saying. Right. And by this point, they only have two kids left in school. All the other kids are adults. How are they poor? How? That's fair. Yeah, all sense. the other kids have gone. I was going to say, like, well, it's because the, the Weasleys like to fuck a lot. They got so many kids. I mean, right. Uh, Isn't that what she's getting at? She's getting at people who like to fuck a lot live poor lives, but they're happy with love and stuff or whatever. Like, I guess. she's got some issue where she needs there to be poor characters, but the world that she's created has no need for poverty. Apparently. So, they have poverty just for fun? Why? <laughs> it, seems, it seems that way, maybe? I, I don't fucking get it. It's so... <laughs> 
dead brains just like, I have to recreate the worldview I have. Here's neoliberal wizards. Like, <laughs> it's just so annoying to, to, to really think of. And again, to just remember that the reason why we love these is the childish adventure element. <laughs> like, that's why we love it. And we didn't think too hard about the world. And then she started saying the stuff she said. And then we all were like, all right, well, fuck you then. Why is all your shit racist? Why can't you seem to write a character of color without giving them a racist name? Kingsley, Maybe Shacklebolt, that, right? Cho Chang, etc. Like, get the fuck yeah. out of here. Like, <laughs> you, you, you exhaust your goodwill when you start fucking pushing away the people that loved your work for what it said about being yourself and being allowed to be free and open and do the things you like and a world that allows for shapeshifters like Tonks. And it's just like she 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 could have continued she could have kept her mouth shut and a ton of people would see her as a beloved figure i know a ton of people still do because they either don't care about trans rights or they don't care they don't pay attention to any of that shit (laughs) like they just aren't on the internet so I know some people still do, but she, she really exhausted a lot of her goodwill to the point where like, I am, I am fully just questioning, like, is there any thought put into these, like truly, like, is there any Mm. depth of thought in Mm -hmm. the, in these books or is it a lot of kind of trite elements thrown together in such a good way like, I mean, we're talking about like X-Men thrown in with like, you know, um, witchy stuff that kids already like you got a real like wish fulfillment angle you got a like wizard of oz type of thing going on like did she ever have like really good ideas or did she just hit really well on the right vein of combination of cool stuff so we all filled in the gaps and let the world be better than it actually is yeah, I know, I know what you mean, because, you know, if, if you're looking at this series as, like, a, a fantasy canon, like... Right. If you're into, like, R.A. Salvatore and shit like this, you're like, <laughs> right. oh, uh, yeah, not even close. Like, it's not a Tolkien uh-huh. verse, it's not, no. you know, it's not a, an R.R. Martin verse or no, anything like that. not even kind um, of, no. I, I always did kind of find the progression of this series to be kind of weird, you know, where yeah. it, it does start off so simple and so childlike, and it's like, oh, there's wizards among us, and they have their secret universe and a magic school, and it is very whimsical, fun kid stuff, and then it's like, I'm going to build with that as the foundation this story about wizard Hitler coming to power. <laughs> it's like, whoa! Like, imagine, like, the, the, the fucking Barney-verse that extends in such a way that's like, this is going to lead to the extension, extinction of the dinosaurs. We're going right. to start with Barney, though, you know? <laughs> like, it is kind of weird to me that this grew to such a high-stakes, gloom-and-doom fucking apocalyptic scenario off of... There was a little boy who lived under the stairs, and his right. <laughs> wicked, wicked stepfather worked for a drill company and had no fun at all. No, he didn't. Like It's a wild progression, really, when you get down to it, right? Yeah, it is. And, and I think that, like, you know, I, 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 just watching this, I was just thinking of so many ways that 
it, it's clear that she didn't really know where a lot of things were going when she started or even as she was going, but that's fine. That's a fine writing style to, to kind of let things progress. But also she, she then had to go back and kind of retcon some things and, and really like, you know, put a new spin on things to make it all make sense. And, and that's fine, but I, you then look at it and think of ways that it actually could have been easily improved. Like, you know, if we, if we, we see Tom Riddle as an orphan with these people who don't care about him and then he becomes evil. It's like, yeah, I mean, the evil orphan trope is, is kind of played out. Like it'd be better if he's just this multi-generational wealth, rich kid, Cause like, it, it's almost like Horcruxes represent generational wealth. It's like, no matter what you do, like financially, you have so much backup that it's never hmm. going to ruin you. Uh, wow, yeah. like that, that would be a very interesting way to play Voldemort. But again, she, she was making stuff up as she went along. And I think she does a pretty good job of tying a lot of things together. Like, why is Harry so moody and why does he often like reject his friends? Well, it's because he has a piece of Voldemort inside of him and Voldemort is that way. So it, it makes Harry act that way. And I feel like in the first three books, that's not the real reason. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like she later developed that, but in the writing, she found, you know, this character is a moody character. And then later found like, Ooh, a good reason for that would be this. And and that's yeah. cool. That's fun. And and I think I like cool. the way that comes together. I mean, even like, why does Harry speak parcel tongue? It's like, well, exactly. That's because he has a piece of the the heir of Slytherin in him and shit. Right. Like he has this exactly. piece of Voldemort in him. Like, what is the invisibility cloak anyway? How come nobody else has one? Right. Like, I remember that was always a question that I had reading the books up until Deathly Hallows. It's yeah. Like, why wouldn't other wizards make one of these, these motherfucking right. things? Uh huh. And it's like, oh, it's actually part of this, you know, trilogy of Deathly Hallows, these sacred objects that can do amazing shit. Like, she did a really, really good job, I feel like, in that seventh book of kind of retconning, kind of explaining, kind of repurposing some things that she had already put out, Uh but making it in a way where you're like, oh, well, fuck, that's significant. Even the Basilisk Fang thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like... To even make it make sense uh, why Dumbledore couldn't tell Harry anything. Because like, at first it seems more like, oh, well, Dumbledore was being written as an enigmatic character. But then when she started writing him as more of an open character, she still kept up that he doesn't tell Harry anything. And, you know, then to, to make that all make sense with... Well, that's because Dumbledore suspects there's a piece of Voldemort in Harry, and so he doesn't want Voldemort to have access to how much they know, etc. Like that's you know, and that that really comes together. In, is that in the the sixth book slash movie where uh, Snape is teaching, yeah, or fifth the fifth one. where he's teaching him Legilimens and and all that? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that I think it, it's cool. It's interesting to see like how. She kind of just let her writing go and then let the explanations come. And I, I think that's a real good way of doing it. I know a lot of writers are very meticulous and like plan everything out ahead of time and like have just extreme amounts of backstory and lore and mythology and stuff. And that's cool oh, yeah. too. Some of it's just in their heads and not even on the right. paper yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool too. But to see it play out in a, in a creative way and kind of 
just coming together as it does is interesting. But as you said, it kind of makes it uneven where it goes from like very childish to much more dark. But that also makes sense when you're talking about the progression of age, you know, going from 11 to, to 18, you know, that's. Oh, yeah. Things do yeah, get darker. That, things get harder, you know. You know, even though the tone is is inconsistent, if she was writing it in a way that she was like, oh, I'm going to give somebody their entire childhood in this book series. Like, I'm going to give a kid their first chapter book they ever read, and then by the time they're fixing to go to college, they're reading this massive, monolithic, you know, emotional doomsday book. Like, if that was her plan all along, fuck, that's fucking sick. That's a good plan. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And even if it wasn't, it played out really well. It it really did. And I I know that, like, that is something that a lot of people who really identify with the books hard were just at the right age when they were coming out. So, like, they got not only the experience of, like, reading about this kid who is, you know, around their age, but also reading it with millions of other kids across the world at the exact same time like oh yeah that, yeah. that, that had to be magical exactly that had to be magical for people and and so like you know it, you can't fully like throw the harry potter universe under the bus just because of jk rowling because it's had such a positive impact on a lot of people it just increases the power of her negativity, unfortunately, because so many people have been so positively affected by this to then have her just reject their humanity is insane. Yeah, totally bizarre, man. Um, I might be casting a spell of, uh, of drunkenness Maximus on myself because I apparently inadvertently just accioed a (laughs) rum Aperol cocktail that my wife just brought me into the studio. (laughs) I have no idea what's in it, but it is like pink and fucking delicious, (laughs) but it has rum and Aperol in it, which are like, wow, these are two of my favorite things. Yeah. I was going to say, that sounds like you might be drunk. (laughs) I might be getting drunk. Now let me ask you this, dude. Uh, do you think that those Weasleys, uh-huh. maybe they would have had some more galleons on hand if they just practiced some proper wizard birth control aborticus action? What do you think? Wow. Okay, so we've talked about aborticus before, and I think, yes, absolutely, there's got to be an abortion spell. But you're wizards. You can prevent the contraception from even happening, right? Surely. So, yeah. like, I was thinking about this specifically because we get the 19 years later. And here these people are who, I, I guess, you know, as it is at Hogwarts, the people you meet on your first day will become both your, either your, your greatest friends for life or your greatest enemies for life, and you will marry one of them. Um, so <laughs> they, goes. yeah, they, they have been together forever. Uh, uh, Harry and 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 Jenny and 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 uh, fucking uh, uh, Ron and and Hermione. By the time that they're off dropping off their their kids at Hogwarts, and their oldest kid I think is like twelve. So yeah, they for for seven years, no no babies, which is fine, absolutely, and I I would uh, you know suggest. Anybody who's getting married young, give, give it some time before you have some babies. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it also then, like, it would mean either, as 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 we've said before, they just had a bunch of abortions along the way, or do wizards have, like, a like a condom spell? Like, where it's just no, like, dude. 
It's like a You're magic missing it condom. all entirely. Oh, really? Yeah. No, wizards practice abstinence, dude. They're doing it the right way. They're waiting until their marriage huh. bed. You don't know when they got married, dude. That's true. That's true. They had a long courtship, and um, you know, then they waited for their wedding night. That's how they do it. I, I, you know what? I would believe that in JK's like innocent world, where the 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 way up to the girls' dormitory has a curse on it for the boys, but not the other way around. Because why would girls go into the boys' room? Girls mm-hmm, don't yeah, ever yeah. want to have sex. Um, I would believe in her worldview. That is it. That is what she that might be it. thinks. Yeah, yeah they actually. just didn't fuck. They just why would they fuck? <laughs> They're not trying to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> yeah, you could be know. onto something right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. maybe. <laughs> I, I also, birth control. I, I, I also <laughs> re sex things and wizards. So we've talked about the wands before, and their yeah similarity to penises in some ways, and how the you know bigger wands get you know some some sort of comment at times. <laughs> They um, do, yeah, yeah, and, and specifically, you know, the, the wand as as a phallic object itself. Like in this, in part one and part two, there's a whole lot of wand cucking going on. Where like Voldemort takes uh, Ma- uh, Lucius Malfoy's wand, just takes it from him, and we're told that the wands have like bonds and kind of like feelings. So like, essentially. L- Voldemort just came in and, and cucked Lucius. Like he came I'm gonna in fuck and the was shit like, out oh, of your wand. I'm gonna fuck yeah, I'm gonna use your I'm gonna fuck the shit out of your wand, meaning I'm gonna use your wand for dirty shit. Avada Kedavra. I just killed her. What now? Like, and Malfoy's all like, ooh. And the thing is, the wand is responding. So the wand's into it. Like That's true, yeah. Yeah, so and, and then also like the wand okay the wand is like oh yeah you're my one and only at all evanders you know but if somebody disarms you or whatever the wand's like, like who are you oh hey mm. what's up big and strong guy you're bullying my <laughs> old flame i like that like i'm 12 inches and whippy mm. yeah <laughs> 10 inches and turgid like i i, I <laughs> Dude, it is I, totally a fucking thing, right? It's like, yeah, yes. the wand chooses the wizard until it sees somebody who's hot enough to take it out of your hands. Mm. Right. Are you ever down at like the hog's head and it's like, there's a wand at the end of the bar that just bought you a drink. Mm. <laughs> bought you a double fire whiskey. How you doing? Yeah, there's some weird cuck thing going on. There's something going on. I wonder about this shit too, man, where it's just like, does it have to be specifically the disarm spell or is it just like oh i'm a fucking wizard klutz and i dropped it you know and somebody else picked it up and now it's theirs i don't know because like it it seems like uh you know like grindelwald just stole the elder wand and i guess it became his possession but then okay so then voldemort just takes lucius's wand but that gets somehow exploded right it, like for some reason the i don't know oh, wait no that they they have that like their wands connect thing and then that's why voldemort needs the new wand so he's using that wand effectively after that so it's it's like did him just taking it work is that does that mean the wand's like oh okay you're my guy now okay 
you know, I don't know. I'm listening and I get you, but my mind is currently wandering to infinitely darker places, Steve. Oh, goodness. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. We know that in the wizarding world, there are wars that are fought. There's talk of the goblin wars and so on. Sure. Yeah. Huh? If you are a wizarding war veteran that, like, I don't know, loses their hands. Mm hmm. Can you still lose, you, like, use a wand? You know? Like, oh. if it's. If that's the case, is it like, oh, you can't hold a wand anymore? How does this work? Huh. Can it just be, like, in your lap or in your pocket and you can still cast spells? Yeah, because like it seems like they say that like the motions have to be exact and stuff like that, but you wouldn't you wouldn't have the dexterity for that. But if you huh. had like if you had like like a wrap kind of scenario like around you know your wrist, could you do it then? What if you had really bad arthritis as a wizard? Let's go less dark. Ooh. I mean, it's still not great, but like still let's sucks, say you had a really yeah. hard time holding on to those small objects, gripping them tightly, and doing the swish right. and flick. Do you just not get to do magic anymore? How does this work? I, huh. I, I do wonder, like, do they have wizard arthritis? I feel like they could just fix that. Like, they can grow bones back, you know? So, like. They can do that. You're right. Yeah. In which case, what a bunch of dicks that they're just watching the rest of the world with fucking arthritis and they don't step in as like, I'm a secret wizard doctor. You're healed. Oh, well, it is is well defined that the wizards are dicks because like status quo uh, of the wizarding world is like we invite Nazis back to just do their thing, et cetera. And like, you know, we send our kids to Nazi school, even though we know it's Nazi school. school. We still keep the enslaved elves, of course. Like, yeah, the standard worldview there is dark as fuck anyway. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> wand sluts, man. Wand sluts. I do wonder if they have like, uh, like parties where they all put their wands in a bowl and you just grab Ooh. a random one and go like do all the spells you want to. <laughs> See how it feels. I surrender you know? my wand. Ooh. Maybe there's a wand that really likes it, and like no matter who grabs it, it's like yeah, let's do some magic. Say he's performing, dude. Yeah. Uh-huh. I will tell you, during that scene at the start of the movie, though, where you're at, like, Malfoy Manor, uh-huh. and, you Stark. know, Voldemort's all like, oh, you know, I gotta have somebody else's wand, I can't kill the boy with my own wand because they share a core and all this shit, right? right? hmm I kind of wonder why, <laughs> like, some one of his little, like, cohorts or somebody there didn't just be like, here, sir, use this, and just lay, like, a claw hammer with the, the grip wrapped in electrical tape onto the table and be like, kill him with this. <laughs> Like this That'd should be do, all, or a gun. I, like here, really, here, Dark Lord, a gun. <laughs> I just thought so many times, like if I was close enough to Voldemort, I'd grab that skinny little arm and punch that motherfucker so hard, it'd be so right. easy. He's a skinny little like snake man. Like I'd yeah. knock the shit out of him. Uh, oh, Avada! Like man, you fucking too late by the time you're at Avada. I'm already on. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Like, I understand the whole, you know, bit of lore where it's like, oh, technology doesn't work in the wizarding world, blah, blah, blah. Like, a fucking gun is physics. Yeah. A gun would shoot him very easily and he'd be dead. Like, Could anybody try shooting Voldemort, I'm saying? Or could have Voldemort just shot the chosen one? He absolutely could have just shot the chosen one. Like, why why did you need my... I get... 
I guess that one of the things about the the world that I kind of hate is that honestly, use of magic is is pretty rare. Like they do some stuff, but mostly they outsource it to their their elf slaves. Like they, these people they can do, that, do yeah. they can make their will like exist on Earth, and at most. Some of them just every once in a while make food with it. Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> or wash their dishes or yeah. uh, turn a teacup into a mouse or something stupid. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Vol- Voldemort is, is bad because he wants to use magic to do cool stuff, I guess. He's also <laughs> bad because so. he wants to, you know, commit genocide and all that other stuff. But, like, good. He, it, it, you know, we've talked about it before. Like, he and uh, Snape flies in this, and he and Snape are the only two were, were shown who can just fly without without a broom or anything. And it's like, yeah, but that's really cool. Why wouldn't everybody else learn to do that? It's like, how is it think, evil right? to fly? It doesn't make yeah, sense. But not evil to give your parents erased memories. Exactly. <laughs> like, I think Hermione has committed the ultimate evil here, honestly. She may have. She may have Her committed the ultimate evil. Her own parents. <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Bill Nighy is in this. That's he cool. is for a second, a full half a second. Yeah. He says like he does that little speech at the ministry, and then he like brings the the will over, and yeah, bye bye. Gets killed off screen. You know, weird changes that I just I, I don't understand. Like I recall in the book, Rufus Scrimgower was like described as being this lion like guy. So, in my head, I'm thinking, like, oh, he looks like fucking Robert Plant, you know? Okay. Like, a big mane of blonde hair. I, I believe he's even referred to as having blonde hair. And then it's just like, okay. uh, we'll get Bill Nighy, which is cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, let's give him dark hair. Why? Like, um, why, though? Well, I mean, another continuity question. Why is it that, uh, that you know, we're constantly told that... that Harry and his uh, mother have the same eyes, and then Snape oh is dying, and he's like, oh, your mother's eyes, and then they cut to a flashback where uh, the child has a different color eyes. <laughs> <laughs> the child has brown That's, eyes. Holy she have shit, green. man. What a <laughs> weird moment that is. At least the way they shot it. I, don't, I bet she might have had green eyes, but the way they shot it and color corrected it, they're brown. Yeah, she has brown eyes. Uh-huh. I noticed the same shit. Like, they go to such lengths about the eyes, and it's like, nah, it's not right, though, honestly. Yeah, you didn't. Not yeah, close. Like, how, how do you fuck that up? I don't know, dude. I have no idea. Um, Bill is in this, finally. The Lost Weasley Brother, uh, the coolest yeah. one. I yeah. love the casting of old Dom Hall, Gleason, as him. Dom he Gleason, does great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of yeah. what I pictured Bill as, honestly. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's good casting. Donald Gleason's good. There's he doesn't get much to do. He's like, hey, look, <laughs> no. I got Fenrir Greyback. Turn me into a werewolf. Oh, hey, guys, also finally, uh, okay, Fenrir addressed as being a werewolf. Thank you, fucking finally again with the character backpedaling here. You remember whenever right. he appeared in. I think it's the sixth one, and they never address him as being a werewolf at all. Right. He's just like, Harry, creepy man. <laughs> That's it. They don't really exactly address it here. They Like, he says that Fenrir Greyback did that. We're never told which... Like, if you're just a, a movie watcher, you're never told who Fenrir Greyback is. No. Uh-uh. So, you just have to know it's the werewolf guy. I mean... 
you should easily probably put those two together, but it's not made explicit. So, I yeah, I I, I don't know why they and, and they cut they you know they cut a lot of that whole werewolf were, werewolf story, which is honestly fine when you know we've talked about in the past that it very much seems like she has made an AIDS allegory out of uh, lycanthropy and Fenrir Greyback is this guy who goes around and intentionally gives AIDS to kids. Uh, and that's just an old stereotype from the early days of, of HIV that, that people were intentionally going to give it to your kids or whatever. Um, hey though, look at it this way. This is also a movie where folks pizza gate themselves into the ministry of magic and flush themselves down toilets. This is satanic <laughs> panic stuff. They do it. it. So. It is. They flush themselves down a toilet. <laughs> she is saying, "No, no, no. Witches do that. They, they do. They do that. They flush, yeah, yeah. They they do the shit the satanic panic said. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know, man. Like, I just I think that like some of it some of it is intention. The intention being she's expressing her neoliberal worldview. Uh, but some of it I think is just like she she didn't think things out. Like, mm. she was just like, oh, like, oh, the satanic panic, that was about witches. What did they believe about that? I'll, I'll just throw that in here. That's interesting and fun. It's like, okay, yeah, but the implication is that in this world, that was real. Like, that was, <laughs> that, that was a real it thing. It seems oddly specific to tie right. the, like, witchcraft <laughs> and flushing yourself down a toilet thing together. Right. <laughs> In the same movie, right? It and it's does. tied to the government as well. I'm just Yeah, saying. it's tied to the <laughs> like, government as well. Yes. I'm just reporting the facts here, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's it's QAnon as fuck, which kind of then makes sense why she goes the way she goes in real life. Because, like, maybe that is how her brain works. You know, I don't maybe know, man. she kind of believes those things. Right, yeah. Now, in addition to uh, Obliviate being, like, way overpowered and like holy shit why weren't you using this the entire fucking franchise in this flick right um polyjuice potion that shit gets a big old boost in this flick we've not used that in a while and they man alive does it ever get in, used in, a in whole part one lot. and part two they they use it uh three times i believe you got the the everybody using it to be the hairy decoys then the use of it to sneak into the ministry then the use of it yep. to sneak into the bank and my right. question is, the Wizarding World is aware of Polyjuice Potion. It's clearly easy to make because some, like, fucking second-year students made it. Yeah, it, they got the Anarchist, Anarchist Cookbook, and they can fucking whip it up. It's not right, so, that hard to do. So they have no magical means of knowing that someone's under the influence of Polyjuice Potion in their, uh, their banking institutions and their government buildings? It seems like that should be like a, a you know a, a charm that's on the doorway into the bank right. where it's like yeah. if you pass through here you Polyjuice have to become your true working. self or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, like seems like there should be something there because otherwise holy moly that world could be crazy as fuck, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's like that's part of the issue like for me a lot of times is that like she doesn't think things out. She doesn't like she, and it's it's fine when you're like just trying to tell a story or whatever, and and you know you've you've wrote yourself into this world where it's like well the magical system has to make some sort of sense, 
it's fine to say like, yeah, it's frustrating. And yeah, it sucked that I couldn't make it all work all the time, but it, it really feels like it's probably because she was pushed so much to get this stuff out so quick. Mm. Like there, I think if you have a longer maybe editing cycle or whatever, some more looking into and being like, okay, so how does this work? Is this contradictory to these other things? It might have turned out better, maybe. Because those books were coming out fast once they got popular. Mm-hmm. She was turning yeah, them around yeah. really quick. The apology potion scene, yeah with, yeah, with all the Harrys and stuff, I think does kind of lead to one of the more like whimsical, kind of like fun, sort of old school Harry Potter scenes in the movie where everybody's standing around and everybody looks like Harry Potter and like uh-huh. the Fleur Harry is like, don't look at me, Bill, I'm hideous. Like all that uh-huh. shit is... It's pretty fun, man. Um, it's fun, yeah. The Hermione into Harry transformation looks like Aphex Twin, and it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, dude, you can't tell me that with all those people standing around, everybody transforming into Harry Potter, ain't nobody checking out his hog. Come on, dude. That's the first thing you do. <laughs> yeah, you just look down like, what is it like? Is it big as mine? Ooh, all right. Yeah, reach in, man. Of course you're going to. <laughs> Who wouldn't, right? It's like the chosen one, really, with this thing? Yeah. <laughs> I know the death stick when the I see it. One inch. Gosh, come on. <laughs> oh shit, man. <laughs> like, come on, man. Bunch of teenagers and shit in there. Somebody would be checking it out. You know you would. Yeah, yeah. I I, I at least one character definitely would have just given a peek at the very least. Yeah, no, you're right. Is that the right. best plan to get Harry away from there, by the way? Is that really the best plan? No, it seems like an absolutely terrible plan. Like, to be flying with a ton of people who all look like Harry Potter, it's... I mean, you're all together. Like, It, it seems Here's like it would be too, easier dude. to fly low with just one person and have yeah. other people flying up high, kind of protecting, making sure everything is okay, but from a distance. So it's not like, oh, there's a big cloud of people. I'll go check that out. Well, how about this, too? Like, okay... Harry Potter, the best broom rider in like a hundred years. Right. Let's stick him in, in the a, sidecar of this motorcycle car. with this right. giant guy. Right. <laughs> Is that the best plan, really? Well, I think they don't trust him to not try to fight, you know, and that proves to be right because like he wants to, to fight instead of just getting away when it's far more important for him to get away. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think it makes sense. To not have him on his broom because he he's a hothead and he makes a lot of stupid decisions. Though of course in the books they almost always work out for him. Yeah, yeah, he's so. that way. He's that way. But at least yeah. after they get the will read, Dumbledore is extremely shady and unhelpful. <laughs> when like literally the fate of the world is at stake in the hands of three teenagers, he's still yeah. like this thing does a thing if you know dot dot well, dot. <laughs> Again, he's he's got to hide some stuff from Voldemort. But I how about think, how about this? How about this? This note uh, is only for Hermione to read. Hermione, right. don't directly tell Harry this stuff, but just guide his actions in such a way that this happens and this happens. Because I'm giving you everything you need to solve this fucking mess. Which, by the way, in, in the in the books, she, doesn't she give him uh, his copy of Tales of Beetle the Bard and and whatnot? And there's like a bunch of notes and stuff, and she gets a lot from that. At the very least, it's more helpful than the movie. Um, but I, I I think 
you're right. Like, there's no reason why he can't tell Hermione. He definitely can't tell Ron secretly, but there's no reason why he can't no. tell Hermione something secretly, and she is not going to reveal it until the right time. Uh, um, but or you know what? One of those extremely, extremely high-powered adults that work at his office at Hogwarts. Right. Just tell those people. Well, I, he's worried about them being tortured and revealing things, etc. I, I do. I accept those excuses. I uh, that the book gives, but the movie doesn't explain any no. of that. Um, uh-huh. And then also, like, okay, so and you and you mentioned this in, in, when we were talking before we started recording. Once, okay, when Harry's in the King's Cross, like, uh, you know, limbo world. Heavenland, yeah. Yeah, the Horcrux inside him is dead, and there's no connection. So now, he could say everything he wants. Dumbledore could finally speak very plainly to Harry, and instead he's still enigmatic. Yeah, it's like, Harry, okay, Kill the fucking snake for one. Right. Then do this. Then do this. Uh, like I can tell you this shit now. Fucking yeah. Little uh, uh, crab rangoon Voldemort over here on the floor <laughs> has nothing to do with this. I called him Voldemort because he looks like a little abortion. <laughs> <laughs> abortion cadavera. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. So yeah, I, I think you're right. Like they're. Dumbledore at a certain point is just like enigmatic for no reason. Now the books do a better job of making that suspect because you know, Harry's reading through the readers, Rita Skeeter book about him that reveals all the more scandalous things. And Harry's really starting to question if he even knows this person really. Um, and, and I think like, you know, the King's Cross conversation is more in depth too. He also has like some questions for him that pertain to some of those things. But it in this, it's it's not really there. It's more just like, hey, Harry, here's some gibberish. And, and, and Dude, I mean, yeah. it's good, good. It's well written gibberish, but like gibberish is just like, hey, aren't aren't authors the real wizards because they control language? <laughs> yeah huge pat on my own back you know what's yeah. cooler than being a wizard being a writer of books wink and, at and camera this is it, it is it is a, an interesting quote uh that i think maybe rowling should just reread she, he says words are in my not so humble opinion our most inexhaustible source of magic capable of both inflicting injury and remedying it um, oh yeah, hmm. like she read like the first half when, of that. Yeah, yeah, maybe she definitely read that. She was like, "Oh, I can inflict injury. I'm going to do that." But you can also remedy it, remedy it by uh, stopping and apologizing and you could. doing things to fix the thing you did wrong. Um, it, hmm. It's also interesting that he, it's, it's the first time that because the the Harry Potter books don't talk about reality they don't deal with like existence they don't deal with the philosophy of of this magical world very much so when vold or uh when dumbledore says uh harry asked him is this is this all real is it just happening inside of my head when dumbledore says of course it's happening inside your head harry why should that mean it isn't real mm-hmm. it, it's the first time that we get 
some sort of philosophical uh, idea of, 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 I guess, what's supposed to be the correct thought in this world. Because Dumbledore is passed on, and he's just passing on, I guess, sage advice. So his advice is that that the world inside your head, the experience you're having, is reality. Hmm. Yeah. So she should probably take her own advice there. <laughs> she might want to hmm. look at that and be like, "Oh, so when someone who I think should be a male because they were assigned male at birth feels inside that they are a woman." then that reality is true hmm. because seems like she already said that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So hmm. how fucking frustrating to, to, to put <laughs> how fucking frustrating. To indeed, put your, yes. The things that you now believe into the, the mouth of one of your worst villains and the things that you, you, uh, uh, uh said you believed into the, the mouth of one of your greatest heroes and, and, and to just not be able to look and go like, Fuck, I'm wrong. I'm the villain. I, I'm Am the, I the villain. bad guy? Yes, yeah. exactly. What? I don't know. Anyway, but I, I, I think that some of the stuff uh, from that is really good. It's it's a really interesting chapter in the book. I remember that, like, you know, because <laughs> you see one of the most disgusting things you ever see in a Harry Potter movie slash book. One of the most disgusting images, this little, like essentially aborted Voldemort, um, covered in blood and stuff. And then you get into the philosophical talk and this, this like re- resignation that like, Oh, everything's going to be okay. It's a real interesting chapter. And I think they played it well in the movie. Mm-hmm. They they yeah. didn't go as in depth, but I think they didn't need to. They did they did what they needed to do. I think so. I do miss though that you didn't get the whole like scandal of like what right. was Vold- uh, uh, Dumbledore's past. Like, is right. he as squeaky clean of a hero as you think he is, or did he have some skeletons in his closet? This no, he used to fuck relationship with uh, yeah with Grindelwald and uh-huh. this. Uh, who was like proto wizard Hitler and this whole thing where like he killed some muggles and killed his sister and did all kinds of other stuff. Like it is a central part of the book where, you know, Harry has idolized Dumbledore and then he's very much martyrized whenever he's killed by Snape in the sixth one. And then this whole book, he's like, I'm kind of being guided by this guy, but also I'm questioning if he is the person that I thought he was. That is a good cool conflict that you've had with this character that's been a part of the entire series and in the movie it's just kind of like oh a person wrote a book about him that said he was bad here's a picture of his sister maybe he killed her anyway (laughs) like that's it like there's none of that also if you're watching these movies and you've never read the books who the fuck is grindelwald uh, nobody. He's nobody. Um, <laughs> like they, they even have like Harry when he sees Aberforth, he's like mad. And in the book, it's like because I think Aberforth like it's uh gave her some information or whatever, and right, like he doesn't exactly believe it, maybe. But in the movie, it's like, why is he mad at this guy? <laughs> and I, I don't know. And also he's got that like mirror that in the book it's explained where he got it from. But in the movie, it's just like, yeah, Harry's just got this mirror now. 
I mean, I <laughs> okay. thought that he got that after Sirius died or something. Yeah, Fuck, it, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, and it, uh, it, yeah, it, it. I don't think it's in the movies though at all. Huh? That's yeah. so weird, man. But you know, I, I I get why they didn't really include a lot of the Dumbledore scandal stuff because it's like, how do you how do you write in? I'm reading a book. Here's an article, right? <laughs> into a, a story. Yeah, yeah it's like especially in a movie backs or something, and right. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if that would work. I mean, because then, like, if you're sneaking it into well, during one of their many camping excursions, Hermione reads a book and tells Harry what she read in the book. Like that is right. not thrilling filmmaking. There's not really a great way to tell that story in here. It's the same reason why so much of Voldemort's past got cut out of the sixth movie. It's stuff right. you're like getting in flashbacks. Like right. there's not really a great way to put that into the movie. No. Yeah. So we don't like from, from movie only movie viewer perspectives, there's not really much history about uh, Tom Riddle. You just know that mm-hmm. he was an orphan. Or Dumbledore. Or Dumbledore, yeah. You just know that he was an orphan and that he eventually ended up at Hogwarts and he was just evil for some reason. And That's kind yeah, of it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, the thing is, like, them deciding to make it a TV show and stuff, like, again, like, I think it's a smart idea to uh, remake it because, honestly, now you know all the ways the stories are going to play out and you can focus on the right things. But also, as a TV show you can have episodes that go off on a tangent. Like you can show like a very interesting little side story without having to spend a ton of time on it and without it feeling like, Oh, why did that just happen? Um, yeah. So yeah, like I'm not interested in it, but I do, I do think it's a good idea. If they were to, for it, for it, sure. Yeah, if it did, if if it weren't for J.K., uh, I I think it would have, it would have, you know, anything that that does come out of that would definitely succeed. I don't know how it'll do now, but it, it is an interesting idea. When when they first announced it, I know a lot of Harry Potter fans were really kind of mad because they think you know of, of the iconic three Emma Watson and, and Rupert Grant and, and Daniel Radcliffe and just don't think anybody else could do it right or whatever. But I do, I do think it could, it could be more like streamlined and more perfectly done. I, I don't, again, I just don't think I'd ever watch it, but I think it, it, it could be done in a way that people will like it. Do you think if you had wizard kids that were going to wizard school, you'd send them there even when wizard Hitler was like in charge of it? Cause like, no. I, I understand if like, <laughs> if you're a Malfoy, if you're like yeah. a pure bloods only, like Slytherin kind of fam being like, hell yeah, right. send him to school. Now we got a proper headmaster in here. The guy that, you know, murdered the old headmaster. <laughs> right. But like if you're like Seamus Finnegan's parents, <laughs> are you sending him to school that year? Or are you like fucking wizard homeschooling? Right. Yeah, yeah, and, and like especially for the 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 kids who have Muggle families, like exactly one, why the you're fuck going would you back send them there to get tortured, but two, yeah, you'd be like, what? Okay, I the was the current headmaster, stuff, but wizard murdered Hitler? the old one, <laughs> right? Exactly, it just be like, them. no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, the headmaster is a known murderer. He is. He is, is known. known 
for murdering, yeah. And and being <laughs> best friends with Hitler, so yeah. yeah. So no. <laughs> no. Not not sending my kid back there. <laughs> Yeah, that entire thing seems pretty weird to me, man. What did you yeah. think about the pacing here? This is something I was going to ask you about. Did you marathon the two movies back to back as if they were I one, couldn't. or did I you? Couldn't. Yeah, I didn't either, man. I, I watched them actually both twice, but like yeah. I just couldn't watch them back to back. And and it, yeah, it just feels like too much. It's a lot. I, I yeah. split it up considerably. Like I had to do several installments just because of how my schedule has been lately, right. more than anything. But like the other day. You know, I, I kind of had time to where I could have marathoned them, but I was like, I really just want to play some guitar and stuff. Yeah, instead. just not feeling so, it. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's, that probably says something, too, about, like, even though I the like the quality. Slog, man. It is a slog, yeah. It is a slog, even though I feel like there's some really quality filmmaking and acting and stuff in there and some and some good, like, adaptation of of some good scenes. It's a slog, and it's not fun to watch. And and part two is more fun, but it. I also think it's too long. Like I think I think the story mm-hmm. could have been told in a three and a half hour format. Totally and agree. Been probably better for it. Yeah, I think so, man. And it's weird too because the first movie in my memory, it's like, oh, it's the boring wizard camping movie, right? Uh-huh. The camping is really only about like I don't know forty forty five minutes of the movie. Yeah, but those are a drag. <laughs> it feels like the whole movie. It feels it like does. the whole movie is them camping, and some yeah. of it is like really unnecessary. Like, well, in Lord of the Rings, they did all these shots of them like walking across yeah. the mountain. So we should do mm-hmm. plenty of those. Here's them silhouetted in front of a sunrise or whatever, and it's like, yeah. well, get on with it, please, please move on, please. Yes, I, exactly, and and they couldn't. Because they want they they needed it to be two hours to justify splitting it into two parts, so they had to make both parts uh, uh, two hours worth of film. They didn't have four hours worth of material, I don't think. They well, that's why you got to pad it up with fucking uh, Harry and Hermione dancing to a Nick Cave song in a tent. <laughs> it's true. What a you weird. You have to do that sometimes. What a weird moment. Um, I remember in the theater, like, whenever that song was playing and they started kind of this goofy dance, like, people in the theater were, like, doing the weird laugh that says, I'm unsure if I'm supposed to be laughing here or not. Right. That was such an uh-huh. odd moment because, like, them dancing together in, like, a sweet and innocent, like, the world is falling apart, but we're still friends, this is crazy, that uh-huh. on paper is good that's fine and they're kind of dancing in a silly way and they're smiling and laughing but then you've got fucking nick cave this like serious <laughs> sad ass fucking music yeah it's that's a, a weird, weird juxtaposition uh-huh. here's the big problem with this too steve let's get uh-huh. fucking real here that song didn't come out until like 2004 wow this movie in the harry potter canon is supposed to be taking place around 97 or 98 yeah by that point uh-huh so there's so, no fucking truth in this art. That's diagenic music too. That's playing on the radio. Yeah. So it's not you overlaid and just for our ears. I think what they should have done instead is when they turn on the radio to dance, it should have been a that song that was playing in part four at the dance. I dance around like a crazy. Fuck yes. They would have loved to have danced to that. Some wizard rock, dude. The Weird yeah. Sisters. It would have made more sense. Or the Weird Sisters. That was it. Given yeah. the time period, 
<laughs> what if it would have been like I don't know to become one by Spice Girls? Maybe that would have been Tonight nice. Is the night? Is the night? Okay, that's that would have been too sexy for that moment though. Because too, okay, what if it was Billy Jack together. Bitch by Prince? What if it was okay? That? Perfect. Perfect. Billy Jack that's Bitch. What it been. Bitch. <laughs> It would have been great. It just would have made sense. That song was already out by then. It's 96. Yep, perfect. So, you, you, yep, absolutely. That's what they should have chosen. And I can't believe they didn't. I know, right? What a mistake. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge fucking loss right there, man. Um, I think one of the the best parts of the first movie is the Godric's Hollow scene, which is also one of my oh, favorite yeah. parts of the book as well. Now, in yep. the book... The way that that whole thing plays out, where yeah, they go to his like birthplace and there's the the cemetery and Bethilda Bagshot is like silent and there's like a weird smell and then like slowly transforms into the fucking snake. Like it is yeah. like Stephen King bizarre, trippy, yeah. mm-hmm. weird ass shit. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, I very much. Enjoyed um, it. I think in the movie it's also played out pretty fucking well too. Yeah, it's like creepy. I really like how creepy and weird it is like whenever her her face is kind of sloughing off and looking kind of like decayed and decrepit and shit before the snake comes out and then busts into that that nursery that's super brightly lit out of nowhere is really disorienting and strange to be having this you know snake that was inhabiting a corpse attacking these kids in a nursery like it's really just fucked up and strange i think that plays out really well yeah yeah, I agree with that. Like, uh, I think the horror elements are strong. Like, um, the the bit with the the Muggle relations teacher, or whatever, getting murdered. The the bits with yeah, Matilda Bagshot uh, <laughs> being a, a snake skin suit. Uh, the the Voldemort. The uh, also um, Hermione's torture scene. Mm, There's yeah. discussion of child torture that's going on. The Caros are forcing people to do the Cruciatus Curse on 11-year-olds. Uh, Voldemort, when he opens up the Dumbledore tomb, like that's such a horror movie feel to it. Like there's oh yeah, this, the dark stuff is dark, man. Yeah, there, there's, there's definitely an attempt here to bring the darkness, and and, and that stuff hits, I think. Yeah, I think so too. So yeah, I like that scene a lot. I like the scenes with uh, Xenophilius Lovegood, who oh yeah reminds me so much of Maynard James Keenan in this. I can't unsee it, dude. Like he looks and just has <laughs> yeah, the vibe of okay. fucking Maynard. It's insane, one hundred percent. And that makes sense for the character as well. Yeah, Zeno Maynard yeah. over here. Zeno Maynard, yeah. Uh-huh, and that yeah, leads, cool. of course, to like I think the coolest moment, probably in the entire franchise, which is the story of the three brothers and that animated sequence. Is oh yeah, it's so good, awesome. It's yeah, so it fucking is. cool, man. Yep. And the moral of the story, of course, is if you ever make a deal with death, get an invisibility cloak because it's cool. It seems to have no negative consequences. The other no. Hallows, bad those stuff bad attached things. to those. Yep. Yep, invisibility cloak, just live your life all normal, and then when you're ready to die, take it off. Cool. It's great. Cool. <laughs> awesome. No, it no does negative seem like consequences. Using the other two, there's always something bad that comes along with it, you know, where it's like, right. hey, you can wish the dead back to life, but it won't be the same. They, right. they want to be in the realm of the dead. You can wish for the ultimate fucking killing machine wand, but then other people are just going to want to take the power from you. Right. Invisibility cloak. It's just like, yeah, you're cool. All right. Yeah, it's fine. It's great. Yeah. There's no like, like 
the you would think the moral would be like uh, you can't you can't really you can't make hide. a deal with death. You can't hide from death. But the moral is no, no, you can, you can. <laughs> you just gotta you gotta get an invisibility cloak. And you'll be good. Live your life, man. It's your world. Yeah. <laughs> you do you. Okay. Yeah. All right. But it is cool. The animation is great. I really enjoy it's it. It's so neat, man. The, the part where like death, you know, creates the invisibility cloak by like slicing off that little part of his own cloak. That's oh, so yeah. fucking rad, it man. Is. I really, really, really love that animation. I can't recall, man. Like, I want to say in the in the books and stuff, I want to say that it is heavily implied, if not directly stated, that Harry is a descendant of the guy that wanted the invisibility cloak, which is how it stayed in the family. Yeah, uh, and that, that is it. Uh-huh. Voldemort is a descendant of the guy that wanted the the power wand, right? Uh, oh, I don't know about that, but I do know I that, might be wrong uh, about that. Harry is definitely a descendant of the Peveril brother that got the the cloak and it, it is passed down in his family and that's that's yeah he he had uh his dad had allowed uh dumbledore to study it because dumbledore was like interested in its origin and that was when voldemort went and killed him so uh dumbledore had it in his possession and kept it until harry was of age to give it to him mm, okay yeah. yeah there you go yeah. so yeah i couldn't remember if that was explicitly stated or not man well yeah yeah that that that's in the books but definitely they don't they don't mention it in the the movie though they do show us the the grave of that Peveril brother in Godric's Hollow where Harry's family had lived so yeah it's, it seems it's kind of a nod right? like easter egg to the people who read the book i guess i think so yeah i think so too man yeah dobby's involvement in this uh, like we yeah. said i know that's a that's a huge emotional you know linchpin of this for a lot of people but i just right. I, I don't understand how you're supposed to feel connected to this character that you've not no, seen in so impossible. long and it is essentially the wizarding world fucking jar jar beings right? right like he's annoying yeah. as shit he is yeah he he was uh annoying jar jar binks in part two then he comes back uh gets killed and we're supposed to feel something like if you've only seen the movies it's like well i don't care yeah okay jar jar's dead good yeah. Great. Okay. <laughs> he seemed to be really just mainly causing problems most all of the time. Right. <laughs> but again, yeah, it, it, as book readers, it works because you remember you're you're thinking of the stories you know, not the story the movies have told. Uh, and right. the movies kind of rely on that so much in, in oh the later God, right? installments. Yeah. One day I would love to. Um, you know, point my wand in a mirror and cast Obliviate on myself and forget the books and just watch these movies and be like, do these make any sense or not? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't, don't think, think so. they do at all. <laughs> no. You know, one thing that uh, Kate and I were talking about that we found was really missing from these movies that was such a, a huge part of the, the story arc of the book is this awesome time crunch where Harry has learned about these Horcruxes Right. He's learned about these Deathly Hallows. He's learned uh-huh. about the things he needs to beat Voldemort and the things he needs to beat Voldemort. You know what I mean? He's right. kind of both both sides of the coin right there. Right. And there's mm-hmm. kind of this constant time crunch of like, fuck, like I need to find all these Horcruxes. God knows where they could be. But I also need to find the Hallows because if Voldemort gets those, he will definitely fucking become right. all-powerful. 
Yeah. And I feel like that that time crunch isn't really happening here. There isn't that no, debate of like which do we go after guys. And that was such a cool part of the book. Like in the book they kind of stumble into both at the yeah, same they just time kinda, in a yeah, lot of ways. They're just kind of following a path that leads them into both. Which And honestly, is cool. dude, if if Voldemort wasn't such a fucking wizard nerd, he could have hidden these fucking Horcruxes a lot better, right? It's like everything <laughs> yes. he does is attached to, like, the Founding Fathers and, like, right. major wizarding shit. And it's like, dude, just fucking put it on, like, a Cal Ripken rookie card or something, like, normal. <laughs> Nobody would Monopoly ever suspect piece or it. something. Just, yeah, yeah. Not, not anything that people would think, oh, that's probably a Horcrux. No, yeah. you know what I would do? I would pick one grain of sand on the beach, and then I would just throw it into the ocean. Done. <laughs> Done. Well, I mean, but then how are you going to come back? Don't, 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 somebody's going to need access. Honestly. Yeah, but nobody's going to fucking destroy it. Nobody's going to destroy a random grain of sand floating around in the ocean right. as a damn basilisk Good point. thing. Good point. Yeah. I, here's the thing. I just have this interesting like thought because the the movie like has this point where Voldemort says how do you live with yourself Lucius and it made me realize something about Voldemort and it's something very much that is is true of all uh egotistical dictators with some gigantic you know world domination plan or just you know whatever sort of gigantic plan is that they not only don't care about the people that are their army are working toward making their vision work. They're actually disgusted by them. Like they can't see ever doing that. Voldemort would never follow another wizard in his attempt to become immortal. He'd never do it. So he's disgusted by the Malfoys. He's disgusted by all these other death eaters that work with him. Now, he are you telling me them. that if fucking Voldemort told his followers to storm the Ministry of Magic, that he would join it. with them? They do it, uh huh. And he would he would just go back and watch it unfold rather than being there alongside with him, like he said he was gonna be. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I mean, that is essentially what happens <laughs> in the books. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting that like. Maybe, just maybe, if somebody's talking about some big plan that's going to help you somehow, but really seems only beneficial to them, uh, they don't care about you. They don't like you. They just want to use you to get the thing they want. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. maybe. 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 You yeah. might be onto something right there. It's almost yeah. like they're just being used. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh-huh. Wow. Food for thought. Uh, the more you know right there, right? The more you know. I'll tell you one person I think that shines in this that I was really happy to see get plenty of screen time and stuff. I think okay. that Helena Bonham Carter as Bellatrix rules. I think that she is really perfect to play that role. I can't think of she anybody is. else I would rather have playing that role. So not only does she get to do the crazy, sadistic, I killed Sirius Black, you know, right. uh, wild card, crazy goth chick, witch thing, which she does so well, obviously. Uh-huh. With her her big beach waves beach hair that she has, uh-huh. she's got total beach hair going on. Yeah, um, I also think she fucking kills it in the scenes where Hermione has taken the Polyjuice potion to become Bellatrix. Yeah, yeah, and she's the, the way that Hermione playing Bellatrix. Yeah, 
dude, yes. And the way that she takes on Emma Watson's mannerisms and, and frankly, like, kind of not great acting skills is <laughs> amazing. Like, the way that she, like, furrows her brow and does these little sighs and shit that are, like, overdramatic that Emma Watson does in the movie. Uh-huh. But Helena Bonham Carter does them because that's how Hermione acts. It's yeah. really fucking good and really subtle if you're watching for it. It's really yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, she she does kill it in in those scenes, and the torture scene and and all that stuff is is hard to watch. Uh, I mean, honestly, like it, they they did a good job because it 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 really is just like oh, that that's a hard thing to hear. Uh, this little girl that we've watched for you know seven years grow up is now being like tortured by this evil witch woman like they 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 effectively did uh make the the horrific parts pretty horrific Mm-hmm. yeah they definitely did man they definitely did what do you think about hermione's uh mary poppins bag seems like that kind of breaks the universe a little bit right yeah it's like a room of mary requirement poppins in a bag, bag. yeah the Mary Poppins bags, the the tents that are gigantic on the inside. Yeah, it, it's all Doctor Who technology, and it, it does break the universe, because if you can do that, I mean, they go into this, the one Fantastic Beasts movie I watched, like, he's carrying around that bag that's a whole fucking zoo on the inside, you know? Like, why wouldn't you just create a pocket world that you live in? Like, like, you'd you never be that, in yeah. danger, really. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. I don't know. I got a theory about how this works, though. You ready for this? Okay. All that it is, it's not even a piece of magic at all, dude. Okay. It's a bathroom trash bag. Oh, uh, those no, things can right. hold okay. fucking so much stuff that it's fucking yeah, yeah. insane, dude. Yeah. Even your smallest bathroom trash bag can yeah. hold more than your hefty, hefty cinch sack. And That's I don't true. even know how it works. I don't know how it works, but you are correct. That is that is true. It's so weird that the moment you said it, I was like, yep, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's how correct. that's working. Uh-huh. Yep. It's bathroom trash. That's all there is <laughs> to it, man. trash bag. <laughs> they let a dragon loose. That seems bad. Uh, I think it's good because the they were, that dragon was being tortured. And it was. I, it also proved that it would burn people to death. So well, yeah. So it's yeah. probably out there burninating people to death, right? Well, that's cool. Well, I mean, the thing is, in the in the Harry Potter universe, there are dragons all over the place, you know. So that has to happen a lot. <laughs> that in this world, people just get killed by dragons. Uh, I guess Muggles don't believe it. I don't know. <laughs> Seems like that would be a little bit of an issue. It does. Uh, it does. I do like the entire green got scene. I think the whole scene in like Bellatrix's yeah, awesome. vault with the the thieves mm-hmm. downfall and the multiplying That's a great charm and curse. shit. Yeah. It's that, cool, like, right? Yeah, like sometimes, you know, some of the magic that she comes up with is obviously just supposed to be funny, like the bat bogeys or whatever. But like this one is one that is just devious. Like the infinite duplication of all these things crushing the thief that is trying to steal the treasure that's a and in the great... book it's like it's described that all the metal is like inferno hot too right so it's yeah. like not only it's getting like claustrophobic it's getting yes. hot like that's really yeah. cool man it is i wonder it's if that cool works hot. on like 
like Les Pauls. If I could put that charm on a Les Paul, and every time I touch it, I get two more Les Pauls. Like that'd be pretty. And sick, they're burning right? hot, so you know you're melting. Faces. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, they are anyway. Cause I'm fucking shredding them, dude. Shredding the hell out of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like that scene. I think that's played out pretty damn cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There, yeah, there's just there's a lot of good in the Deathly Hollows Part One and Part Two. Uh, it, it's, I think there's pacing issues and just like, you know, being, being a slave to the, the fans of the book, because this was like the crest of the wave of, of this gigantic thing. Um, if you, if you, they had just been able to make a, mo- a single movie that, that yeah. really ended everything and kept a good brisk pace, it would have improved things, but as is they're not terrible no and at least the malfoys got away with being nazis because they gave up at the last minute it was fine it's okay okay listen as as long as you give up right before the nazi the head nazi guy gets killed then you didn't really like you did not anything too bad you know (laughs) Like, then what? you did not see anything bad happen. You know what I mean? Hey yo, <laughs> yeah, it's dumb, but it, it is. It is that. Uh, I mean, it, it's. I, I would say that she's just reflecting the reality of the world, where you know, post World War II, the United States just took all those Nazi scientists and <laughs> forgot they were Nazis conveniently. Yeah, Project um, but, Paperclip. Look that up if you don't know about it. Yeah, but I don't think she's trying to reflect that. I think she's trying to reflect a worldview where because the Malfoys left in that moment, now they're good. And that's just not how it works. It's just not. <laughs> if you've been a Nazi twice, both times that Nazis rose, you didn't stop being a Nazi. You're real bad. You're really, yeah. really bad. Yeah, you're very that's terrible. true, yeah. Because yeah. Voldemort happened twice, and the yeah, Malfoys and, were Nazis both times. Uh-huh, and just left early both times. So they're yeah, okay. Yeah, no. That that goes into the into the fool me once, don't fool me again, whatever right. Bush said, right? <laughs> yeah. Kind of in that well, category. Uh, also, and we uh, this is largely, I think, because Alan Rickman is so charming and whatnot, the redemption of Snape is bullshit like Mm. think about it everybody out there who loves snape and feels like he was redeemed the thing he did was have a long-standing unrequited crush on a good person that doesn't make (laughs) him a good person (laughs) okay if you really boil it down to that it's like okay yeah (laughs) he was just a fucking creep He's an incel creep. <laughs> he never got over it. Who never got over it. And Dumbledore uh, uses that to his advantage. Dumbledore is basically using Snape's weird incel crush to get him to protect Harry. But he does it begrudgingly, <laughs> and he's an asshole the entire time about it. And he's a piece and of he shit. he also was a Nazi for a while. He, like, he was a Nazi voluntarily and liked it and stopped doing it so Dumbledore wouldn't kill him. <laughs> That's it. He's not a good person, really. He fucking sucks. Alan Rickman doesn't suck. We love Alan Rickman. And so Alan Rickman's Snape is different, I guess. But the actual Snape in the books is a slimy piece of shit Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) 
the pulling the tears out to get the memory is is kind of strange too. Yeah. Whenever it Harry is. dumps those things into the into the the pensieve, which is now magically changed into like a flight of the right. navigator flying saucer thing for some fucking reason. <laughs> I don't know why, but there it is. Dude, uh, it's like a it's a heavy bar pour of shots. Like he sat there yeah. fucking milking them eyeballs for a while. I think it's a lot he, comes out of there. A whole lot comes out of there, including uh, I guess Snape's memory of Voldemort killing his mom, even though Snape wasn't there. Like in the <laughs> pensive, he sees Voldemort kill. He does. The Wait, mom, what? <laughs> Snape wasn't there. How is it there? Where's this memory come from? Is this like just what? Like his fantasy of what happened? I don't know. Anyway, also I didn't big think question about that. Big question I had. So in in this situation where uh Voldemort is like, okay, so Snape Snape is the actual one to whom the Elder Wand belongs. So I'll kill him. But he what he does is he cuts his throat and then he tells Nagini to kill him. So is Nagini okay, now shit. supposed to be yes. the holder of the Elder One? Now we know no matter what that Snape, Snape didn't wasn't supposed to be. It was actually Draco because Draco disarmed uh, Dumbledore. But the right. the movie by the movie's logic, Voldemort just like let someone else do the killing, meaning he's the now Nagini is the proper owner. By the logic. <laughs> I was just, so wondering the same thing. Kate and I were talking about this, where it's like, wait, so he slashed his throat and then had his snake finish him off. Right. So it's like you said, the snake would then be the rightful owner yeah. of the wand, <laughs> right? Yeah. Huh? So what? Like, how final does the final blow have to be for you to gain ownership of the wand? And do you have to kill him or just disarm him? Like, could he not really have just been like, know. here, hold, hold this for a second. Okay, uh-huh. uh, disarm spell. Now it's mine. Yeah. It's mine now. Like, Yeah, huh. like, couldn't Voldemort just hand it to Snape and Snape go, here you go, you want it from me? Yeah. And now, you know, the, the wand is like, oh, okay, well, why don't you do some dirty spells with me or something? Yeah, know? let's do some, some work, daddy. You big, strong daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Why not that? In God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what. But uh, it wouldn't have worked because Snape was not the proper owner of the Elder Wand. Owner it was, anyway. It was Draco. Yeah. Uh-huh. Huh. Man, I've got a lot of questions about that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a whole lot I will going also on there say, that doesn't make sense. I like how in that flashback uh, that Snape looks like little Jack White. He, he does. does. He looks like little Jack White. Aw. <laughs> kind of adorable. Kind of adorable here. It is. Um, I love that we don't get through this without hearing um, Rafe Fines, also known as Ralph Finney's. Ralph Finney's, um, yeah. <laughs> say, <laughs> like a hundred times. <laughs> Why? It, it, Why was that it, the choice? I think he... I, I could... It feels to me that his idea was like he's like pulling this energy up from the ground, like it is it is rising through his feet up through his stomach and just like forcing itself out. Like that seems like really what Ray Fiennes was going for, but it yes, yeah. it is off putting. <laughs> 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 
I, it's never done it for me. I, honestly, no. I've never really liked him as Voldemort. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think that he fits exactly what I was picturing in the book. But I think he does a good, consistent job of maintaining the character he's doing in the movies. Uh, but yeah, I, I he's not snaky enough. I feel like he's yeah. not greasy enough. He's not creepy enough. He looks like his body is like too bulky and strong looking. Like I want right, Voldemort yeah. to be like wispy and ethereal and yeah, yeah sneaky, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that you're right. Like Ray finds I think he does a good performance, but I don't think it is what Voldemort ever felt like in the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad too that before this entire, you know, thing finished out, we did get further reaffirmation that Seamus is a mad Irish bomber. Yeah, that she was not. No, that she she was like, yeah, well, I'm an Irish kid. Of course, he'll blow shit up all the time. No, he bombs uh, a bridge. He's he good at a bridge. it. He's excited he, to bomb things because he's yeah, Irish. Absolutely. Because he's Irish. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is. That's just the level of character creation she's at. <laughs> Where she's like, what are the stereotypes? Yeah, that's a character. Right. <laughs> that's how i'll play him out sure okay fine <laughs> pretty insensitive i gotta it say is. pretty insi- it, like, it like is. that first time i think it's in that first movie where it's just like he's trying to turn uh yeah uh whatever water into alcohol yeah. and then blowing stuff up it was just like wow this is probably pretty <laughs> insensitive maybe it was a mistake and it's like this is doubling down like no 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 yeah he's irish not, he loves she bombs. was making no mistake she was like remember the troubles i do okay i will say though too another high point the room of requirement scene with like the fool's fire the fire snake fire monster fire yeah fire that's it yeah it's so good that is awesome that's the type of shit like this movie brings it with the type of magic i've always wanted to see like why can't kind of series just have badass magic Here's the thing, dude. I completely agree with you because yeah. through a lot of the first uh, the first movies, a lot of the wizard fighting that we're getting is like kids fighting kids and it's dueling right. club and it's, you know, just trying to disarm each other, or turn each other to stone or what the fuck ever. Uh-huh. Then, like, in the fifth one, even though I don't like the fifth movie, as we said earlier during the ranking portion, that wizard fight is bad as fuck they're like yeah, pulling so out spells and shit that you've never even seen right all this really crazy shit with like fireballs and water and breaking yeah. glass and all kinds yeah. of sick ass shit so then at the end of this when like the most powerful wizard on earth because dumbledore is dead voldemort is the most powerful wizard on the planet uh-huh. he's like punch him us <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just flying around in like a, a general cloud haze, punching each other, I guess. They what? punch each other. Like, where's all right. that badass shit you were doing to fucking Dumbledore a few movies ago? Where's I would go straight to that if Absolutely. I was trying to fucking kill the Chosen One and become like, you know, world-owning wizard. I would go straight yeah. to the big fireball magic and shit like that. Yeah, and we've talked about before how annoying I find it that after the uh, the the uh, duel between Harry and Voldemort in the graveyard in four, mm-hmm. every time they duel or any wizards duel, 
their their wands connect but then in this movie when their wands connect voldemort's like what was that all about and then <laughs> never seen that yeah the hell? and he's got to go get answers because they <laughs> fucked up in the movies and kept showing huh. the thing that didn't make any fucking sense yeah and then they have different wands and their wands still connect it makes no sense I no guess sense. they do, yeah. Yep. Because at the at the end there, yeah, Harry's wand is broken. Voldemort's not using his wand. They're not the the common core thing anymore. Right? Yeah, he's got. Is the this older that wand common and, core math I've heard about? Yeah, is this, this is common is? core math. That's what it is. Oh, I knew <laughs> it, it. Don't I make knew no it. sense. Don't make no sense. Yeah, the the kind of final fight between those two. I mean, you can't overpower Harry. You can't make him no. suddenly like Dumbledore level, you know, God level no, wizard can't. or anything like that. It can't really be a super fair fight. And obviously, you know, um, Voldemort is using a wand that isn't fully his. So it's not running right. on all eight cylinders or whatever. But we've already seen him definitely murder the fuck out of people with that thing. So it works yeah. pretty good at least, right? Yeah. He murders the fuck out of people with all sorts of different wands. And, and so, yeah, he, he, that that doesn't seem to be the issue. The issue seems to be they just couldn't choreograph an interesting fight because Harry, Harry the character, is bad at magic. Yeah. <laughs> He's not Always good at it. Yeah. And in the books, like the movie doesn't have them say the spells they're doing at the end. But it's it's Voldemort is doing Avada Kedavra and Harry does Expelliarmus, and and it works, <laughs> I guess. Somehow the death spell is not as strong as the hey give me that wand spell, um, and <laughs> in the movie we don't know what they just did, but the wand just flies over to Harry, and then oh dude, no, I I'll guess tell you Voldemort why Voldemort just dies of embarrassment. <laughs> Oh my god, so He's cringe. Like, I'm so embarrassed, I'm going to turn into dust. Uh. <laughs> I'll tell you why that works, though. It's because Voldemort's holding that slutty old uh, butt plug Elder Wand, uh-huh. and Harry just gave it the come hither, Expelliarmus. Get it get oh. in my mitts, bad boy. Oh, and the that Elder Wand is like, like, ooh, baby. I like you. <laughs> yeah, Wait, okay. it gave up. Help me understand now. All right, so. This wand belonged to Draco Malfoy. Yes. Um, Voldemort does not possess it. So when Harry takes it from Voldemort, why does that matter? I don't know, right? Would, do you have to disarm it from Draco for it to become yours? Right. Or, or is the wand now in a weird like love triangle where it wants to fuck both Draco and Harry? It's just flirty. It's in an open wand relationship, dude. It's an open wand relationship. Yeah, that's what's yes. going on. It's complicated. <laughs> is it status? I'm pretty sure. All right. I mean, get it, Elder Wand. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> just sharing it. Sharing the magic just with anybody who wants to hold it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how that works. I don't that's know. That's a slutty little wand, huh? Slutty little wand, man. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's confusing. I I remember always finding that final battle pretty anticlimactic. anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah, you know? I agree. Um, and then we get that that epilogue nineteen years later. Now, here's the thing. Once again, in theaters, whenever it showed them with their kind of like kind of shitty like age up CG, yeah, 
old person makeup combo. Like yeah. the theater definitely laughed a lot. Yeah, like a whole yeah, lot. It doesn't look good. Yep. And they somehow then, made Jenny look fifty. Oh my god, dude! They did okay. Let's just talk Jenny. This entire series, they did yeah. Jenny so fucking wrong. Just yeah, so wrong, man. Yeah. Overall, yeah. in every possible way, like. Jenny, okay, initially she has this crush on Harry. She's younger. She's like really, you know, mousy about it and stuff. Uh But then, like, she gets her bearings. She grows up. She becomes a fucking badass. She's great at magic. She's got like a really, you know, fiery personality and shit. Meanwhile, in these movies, Jenny is fucking nothing. Yeah, she's his background. She barely has any real, like... Harry's girlfriend. That's all she is. Yeah, there's no pop. Like she, when she's on screen, it's not like there's no like, oh man, what a badass! It's just kind of like, oh, I guess. And Harry, zero chemistry with no Daniel chemistry, zero. none whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, it mm. sucks. I would agree with you. Yeah, that 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 adaptation of of a really badass character to just a meh. Like they show her doing badass stuff, but then. They don't follow it up with anything. Uh-uh. Like they don't like reinforce how badass she is. Yeah, I this agree. This is with another you. one of those moments though where I'm like, why why did this age up makeup turn out so bad? When you go back and watch Good the question. fucking Exorcist, man, right. from like a hundred years ago. Yeah. And that aging makeup that they put on uh fucking what's his name is unreal. Like I just thought that yeah. guy was ninety years old in that movie. <laughs> yeah no they they did a great job and and i think that yeah we, practical makeup just is kind of a lost art with a lot of movie studios especially when they're doing this like adaptation of ip they don't want they're not they're not as interested in making sure that it looks amazing they're interested in getting it done fast now this did get nominated for awards for visual effects uh, I think the first one did. I'm not sure if the second one did, but the and, and and I think at times I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like some some of the CGI looks really good for 2010, mm. but then a lot of the times I'm like, nah, it looks like fucking PlayStation 2. Like it's Dude, not that I good. I know, I yeah. know. Like in particular, some of the close up shots of like Voldemort's face with like the nose erased right. look really yeah. fuzzy and weird. Yep, a lot of the battle the scenes, scenes when they're like yeah. from from afar. Uh, like the oh, spiders, yeah. when you see the spiders, it looks like they're not even kind of on the same plane of Mm-mm. existence as the rest of everything. <laughs> no, those battle scenes are like totally going for Lord of the Rings and not looking right. as good as Lord of the Rings. Which not even way kind of. Yeah, yeah, not even kind of looking that good. So yeah, I, I think you're 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 right that mostly the the CGI is. I just don't understand like how just 13 years ago that was considered like <laughs> academy award worthy right it's crazy that doesn't seem right to me man no. yeah, there's a bunch of shit in here that looks whack like the scenes where ron and hermione are in the chamber of secrets and it's just like oh it's the chamber of green screen like it yeah, looks like it doesn't in a have game. any depth yeah you're you're Zero. right yeah yeah that shit looks pretty whack man um yeah dude like this movie if we're looking at it as, you know, these two movies into one movie. Right. It has moments that are really cool. It has moments that are yeah. some of the best in the series in terms of some of the effects and some of the acting right. and even some of the yeah. storytelling and just humanization of some of these characters. 
man, it's it's got some stuff in there that's not not great, and definitely some yeah. stuff that f- falls apart if you think about it for five seconds, man. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I I think that if we're treating them as one whole movie, uh, as I, I mean, we both put them <laughs> on definitely on different levels in our ranking of the of the franchise itself. Uh, so I, I would definitely put part two a little bit higher, but ranking them together as, as, as one big movie, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think that you have two completely different tones to part one and part two, which maybe wouldn't have blended well together entirely as a movie, but does work okay as two parts. So I, I'm I'm cool with that though I I think that really the best way would have been three and a half hour single movie, uh, yep. just get it streamlined and, and keep it moving. But the what we got, I think that the first part has a lot of good elements, just drags while it's in the camping scenes. The second part has a lot of great battle sequences, but as we said, the CGI is not that great. It's just limitations of 2010, but also. They sped up getting this stuff out. Um, and then also you've got, you know, some of, as you said, some of the best acting performances because the kids are all grown up. They're much better actors than they were. You've got, as you said, like uh, Bellatrix's uh, or uh, uh, the performance of Bellatrix by um, what's her name? Fuck. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter is, is, is great. So all that kind of comes together to make me enjoy these, but also, as we've said, there's there's a lot of negatives. So if I'm if I'm putting a ranking on these, I think I'm at about a six. Yeah, I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah, that that's yeah. about where I was thinking about putting these as well. There's there's just such a amazing amount of backpedaling and like yeah. reintroducing characters, like reintroducing yeah. the ghosts, dude. Like the ghosts are a important part of finding one of the horcruxes in this and we've not seen them in god how long like nearly headless nick was kind of an afterthought like in the first movie and shit and since then like there's no peeves in any of the movies like there's such a missing presence of these ghosts and now suddenly it's like oh uh those have always mattered what are you talking about huh yeah (laughs) yeah it 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 really yeah there's so much like stuff that was cut out of previous movies because they just didn't think it was important that ends up being important and then it's like well what do you do now <laughs> like how yeah. yeah how do you introduce gotta go back and explain now? it yeah yeah you either have to go back explain it or just be like this has always been here you love this character mad eye moody he's your you're fave. bombed dude uh-huh. dobby he's a free elf harry potter's his friend <laughs> cry motherfucker cry <laughs> do it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> accurate. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think I think about about six. I think seems pretty fair overall. Yeah, uh, for the finale of this franchise, which we have now completed on the show. Oh, uh, wow. Man, definitely go back and listen through those. I wonder if our if our series on Harry Potter is longer than the Harry Potter series. I bet it is. Oh yeah, I think so. I think because right? like you know, some of those early ones aren't aren't exactly long and we've definitely Some of the later done ones aren't either three hour apps <laughs> on all of them <laughs> yeah oh <Yeah. laughs> wow well man so yeah there you go man let's know what you guys think about this uh this epic franchise 
over on our, our social medias. Our Facebook group is the best place to do that, but you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter and all that other stuff we mentioned. Just find our Linktree page, which will also connect you to our Patreon page where you that's can right. give us galleons. Yeah, that's right. Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head on over there. Become a patron on any level. You get access to the Patreon exclusive episodes, the most recent being the uh, Howling Hell Rankers, which was really fun. Uh, and definitely go check that out. Uh, if you become a patron on a $5 level, you get to submit a movie to the Smoking Bowl, and then we cover the movie that we pull out of the Smoking Bowl once a month. We just did Wishmaster, which was a fun time. Uh, so head on over there, become a patron. Maybe we'll be covering the movie you want us to cover this month. Have you even thought about how fucking dumb those dark wizards are at the Malfoy's place whenever like this guy with this beat-up face shows up with Ron and Hermione, <laughs> and they're like... Is this Harry Potter or not? Maybe it is. I die, yeah. Who like, is this it's guy? Clearly Who is Harry this guy? Potter. Who is he? Clearly him. Hanging out with Harry's best friends, but he says he's not? I don't know. I don't maybe know. He's got him. a lightning bolt scar, but it's kind of swollen up, so maybe it's not him. I can't tell. You know what? <laughs> can't tell. Who knows who this fucking guy is? He says he's not Harry Potter. Huh. Who knows? Yeah. What the fuck was up with that scene? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, anyway, stay tuned for the next episode of the show in which we're taking ourselves a little summer vacay. Seems like the right time to be talking about the burbs, which is one of those ones. Dude, so many times I've been like, we've done that, right? We've done that on the show, haven't we? I'm excited to do it, man. I I love this movie. I'm going to go ahead and spoiler alert. The burbs is great. And I have so much to say about it and specifically about suburban horror uh i'm excited to talk about it the best it's it's a fucking 10 man yeah and as lizzo once said it's about damn time it's about damn time that's right Mm, 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 mm. so yeah be sure to tune in next time for our breakdown on that thing where i will be wizard ben and i will be witch steve Cackle, cackle, rats, rats, rats for sale. I have nude, etc. Keldra, the witch, six, six, six. Ah, that's an inside joke from us being in college that you don't know. We talked about it maybe early in the show. Go check that out. Read the back issues for more details, true believer. (laughs) I'm sucking witch voice, Steve. I can't get out of it. Oh, shit. Bye. The whole next episode will be in this voice. Bye. Man, you know how everybody is always talking about Bigfoot? Do you believe in Bigfoot? Hey, I do. Do you? No, I don't believe in Bigfoot. Everybody's always talking about it, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, 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 up here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, it is the constant Huge. conversation. You can't yeah. You can't uh, uh, talk three words without saying Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is, man. But here's a question nobody's ever asked. Does Bigfoot believe in himself? Oh shit! Well, maybe that's the reason he's never really made his presence known. Like he's always skulking around and stuff. It's because he's like, I don't know if I'm tall enough. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they won't think my feet are large enough for the name. 
Yeah. You know, that's the thing, though. Honestly, the name builds up the expectation where it's like, what if they notice my feet aren't really that big? Like, I'm a big right. guy. Yeah. Normal size feet. The expectation is too much. Yeah. The size 10 and a half Bigfoot. Yeah. yeah. No, I get it. I get what you're saying. <laughs> just like it's a lot to live up to it is it's a lot people are really putting a lot of pressure on the sasquatch you know what what about this what if you don't walk all lumbering like a sasquatch what if you're a much more like poised like you know straight backed walking more human style everybody sees you, know, you and they're like oh that's yeah. not a sasquatch that's a dude in a suit I hadn't even thought about it until you pointed it out, but he does kind of have the posture that suggests he is trying to make himself smaller. Like, don't right. notice how big I am. I'm not really oh, comfortable man. with it. Oh, man. Oh, Sasquatch. It's pretty sad. It's sad, Sasquatch buddy. is more like it. Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Oh, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stand up tall and believe in yourself. You know, that Harry yeah, that lived with the Hendersons, he seemed to have a pretty high opinion of himself. He did, yeah. Maybe he, did, he was yeah. the one. He was the one Sasquatch that tried. And then John Lithgow <laughs> was like, No, now get out of here. Nobody wants you. Oh. Oh. I sound, sound kind of like Jimmy Stewart. No, no, he says. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Poor Sasquatch. Poor Sasquatch. Damn. 